What is prior to ripe? Raw. Is that what I call it? Don't eat that raw banana. <laughs> I don't think that's the right word, but I don't either. <laughs> Maybe those rings movies just came out and you're not glad I'm If you feel late to see, let's take a moment and listen to the IFNC podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 148 of the IFNZ podcast. It's 2022. It's in the game. <laughs> Uh, this is the tops episode. That's right. It's we bring a new it to year. you once a year. It's a new yet new year. New me. Uh huh. Not at all. Let's talk about some old shit though. Let's talk about stuff that already happened. Let's talk about the last year. There's been and... some good stuff that came out. I mean, it nah. was <laughs> <laughs> in certain areas. I guess I have yeah, a, I have sure. a lot of honorable mentions in certain categories. Oh yeah, me too. And then none in other categories. I will say this is the first year that we've done this that I actually have five full movies to fill <laughs> that you've seen that came out in 2021 yeah, that have come out in 2021 <laughs> so much so that i've seen eight wow and there are honorable mentions because every year prior it was at least i think there was a, a three a three and a two. Oh, that's how many like you only I, had, I had three seen. i only had three <laughs> i'd only had three and i only had two <laughs> well yeah i mean uh it, there were there were it just seems like there was a lot more content this year there was a lot yeah Obviously, there was some buildup from the Backstreet Boys reunion tour. Oh, no way. Um, and so we got a lot more of that this year. That looks like next year's shaping up to be quite frothy. I feel like next year is going to be uh, our balls will be moist. It's going to. I mean, if you're a movie goer, With like the to the theater of films and games yeah. and everything, you just look at the first three months as far as there's like the gaming side of things mm-hmm. are concerned. It's a lot of shit. It's crazy, honestly, because we'll have. Uh, horizon mm-hmm. coming out then uh we'll have elden ring coming out uh i'm trying to think uh the pc port for god of war the the 2018 god of war will be coming over oh, the okay. pc finally um i don't i think that it's supposed to stay steam deck steam deck uh i don't know there was a quite there's i would remember searching through all of the stuff while i was kind skywalker of skywalker saga lego uh, it says spring. Are we going May again? Is that what it's it gonna... says spring? So I'm not gonna. I'm gonna say like April, May will probably yeah. be a more realistic window. I don't even. I don't even. I will believe it when I see that game come out. Yeah, and hopefully it just it adds it. Uh, what's it called? It moves up to your uh, expectations. It lives meets up. your expectations. Lives. Lives your expectations. <laughs> it lives all of my expectations. Uh, yeah, and then movie. Like if you're a if you're an AMCer, like if you go to AMC, I you do. might as well get that A list if you're gonna want to go see all the movies that are coming out. Oh shit, what's coming out? There's like like every every month. There's like two blockbusters. It yeah, seems like it's crazy. There's only one left though. There's like blockbusters. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's in it's in. <laughs> is it still Oregon? open? Yeah, <laughs> I watched that documentary. <laughs> is it Oregon? Really can't remember i now. remember i watched I the whole Oregon. documentary and still don't know where it came where it is <laughs> so uh in standard fair bend. fashion it's in bend oregon maybe okay i was thinking it was like closer around portland but not in portland yeah i don't know where bend is i could be mm. real wrong it could be hours away it's on it's off the river on yeah. the bend of the river at least it's not in kansas city utah no what did utah come from kansas city utah where is Nicaragua? <laughs> um, is it, it is in South in America. South America, yes. Okay, yes. Make goose Nicaragua. Food. 
Great food. Why are we bringing up Nicaragua? I just couldn't remember, and I just thought about it, mm. and I thought I would ask you because you seem like an intelligent individual. Yeah, there's a fantastic Nicaraguan restaurant in Nicaraguan? Yeah. Is that, the, that's what they are, the Nicaraguan people? Try to give me a better word for it. I won't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's correct. <laughs> I'm sure you are. Uh, <laughs> just, it fantastic. sounds weird when you it, it rolls off the tongue oddly to me. What's the uh, plantains? They do like fried plantains. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're small so bananas good with like right? pork on it. Uh, not small bananas, but uh, more like not not sweet bananas. Ripe bananas. Yeah, not, they're not. They're not. Wait, what's the they're opposite? not bananas? They're they're totally different. I know, but I like the consistency and stuff. Yeah. It's like whenever a banana is like green yeah a little firmer yeah that's what i meant a little firmer they fry them because ripe is whenever it's it. like you're ready to eat this is ripe now yes you want ripe. what is prior to ripe raw is that what i call it don't uh, eat that raw banana <laughs> i don't think that's the right word but i don't either <laughs> there is a word for for not ripe yeah uh i just it, not it's, it's not ready not to eat <laughs> uh where so are we starting as as per uh as per Dodd tradition, we go down the list in the order that we used to do in yes. the show. Video games. Uh, video games, okay. uh, television, movies, music, then comics or books, I guess, is all technically under the same category. Just comics. Um, <laughs> we will do our number fives each uh, yes. leading up to number one, and then we can end with some honorable mentions that yeah. didn't quite make the list. Or do you want to start with honorable mentions? I don't, I don't remember which way we do it. Um, I think we go five to one honorable mentions because okay. there's a suspense for what's going to make it to one. That's what I have cool. in that order. But I just like, maybe I was thinking about it wrong. I didn't listen to any of the old episodes. About that's fine. This, so. Uh, so we'll start off with some video games. Yeah. Uh, my number five is The Medium, uh, which I believe oh, had yeah. recently come out to PlayStation. It looks scary. Uh, so this is a more, it was in my wish list, but I deleted yeah. it after I watched the trailer. Cause I was like, I will pee the bed. It's more like a psychological horror type of thing. Yeah. A la like Alan Wake in a sense. Um, so fans of like Alan Wake or games of that ilk, I guess you could say like the evil within, mm-hmm. um, I can't think of the name, the, the damned game shadow of the damned. Okay, I haven't, um, I haven't seen that one before. Uh, but in in that same similar vein, it's it's your uh, standard over the shoulder uh, boulder holder, third person, uh, third person over the shoulder uh, action oriented psychological uh, horror type game. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, the trick to the game is that your character as a medium has this ability to throw herself into this like like parabolic psychological world. And sometimes you are walking in the actual like real world. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're walking as her in this like mental psychological realm. And there's actually elements of uh, puzzle elements in the game that have you incorporating uh, doing both at the same time, I actually, as well. Um, so you're seeing like you're walking up to, we'll say, like an elevator that's gated and locked. And in the real world, it's gated and locked. But yet you're looking at it in this split screen there's like something that you can use to tether to this button uh, or this glowing object or something that will allow you to uh, break the basically the lock. Um, it's like that prisoners that game way. that you were telling me about. Prisoners game. It's like brothers, but uh, oh, uh, I was gonna say no way out. It's something way out though. No way outs is the other that's, one that's, from that's, the that's brothers. A, that's the creators. That's the movie. 
oh. with uh, Sylvester Stallone. What's the one where they they we just we just talked about it like the game of the year? Oh, that one. Uh, it takes two. It takes two. It's the same developers. Same yeah, same people. The, the one I was talking about. It's it's. I think it's just called a, a way out, like a way out. It's okay. about the two guys in the jail. Um, in the jail. And yeah. don't you kind of do that where like one person might have a different angle and they can solve something that the other one can't? Yes, but that is actually multiplayer. In this sense, this is a single player oh, only okay. experience. So you're controlling every aspect of this. But um, there's not a ton of jump scares. Most of your horror element to this is just very atmospheric. Yeah. Some of the creatures that you come across and see are very like, I, I don't know how to describe it. Resident Evil-y. No, not so much Resident Evil, like zombies, more um, Lovecraftian in a sense. Like they're more like that kind of like weird, okay, you know, sci-fi kind of almost monster mm-hmm. in a sense. But right. um, do you fight those things? Like, do you have to like? Eventually, you find means to be able to do it with your abilities. You I don't see. really get like weapons in a traditional sense throughout the course of the game. It's more powers. Um, but as a story goes, it, it's it's a very very well written story. Um, as you can imagine, with any kind of atmospheric horror title, the ambiance of the uh, the music itself in general, and just if you're wearing headphones, for example, to have mm-hmm. a more immersive experience while you're playing it, you would have something that would be, uh, you know, just sound extra creepy and shit. Right. Um, but it's a very well-rounded game. If you're a fan of any of those kind of uh, titles, I would definitely highly recommend uh, checking out the medium. I played it on Xbox Series X, but like I said, I believe now it's out on um, Xbox and PlayStation. It might be on PC. I've never looked. Yeah. Uh, I would assume you could probably play it on PC Game that Pass because that's how I played it was on Game Pass. For sure. Yeah, for sure. What's your I, took, I took a, uh, a very non-traditional approach to my video games because I didn't really do a lot of gaming this year. Okay. Um, and nothing really came out that struck my fancy. Okay. Either uh, a lot. So so I've kind of got some some weird things uh, that kind of came out that were important to me uh, and exciting, but not super crazy. Uh, and my number five would be that they added the Jungle Book to the Disney, Disney Classics after, okay. collection. Afternoon so, collection? Or uh, not the Afternoon collection, okay. but the Disney Classics collection. Is that the one that has Lion King? That's Lion and King and Aladdin. Aladdin. So they they did a DLC drop for, uh, for the Jungle added Book. added a whole other game. Yep. And That's added, pretty cool. Added that to it, and then they added uh, some a couple other versions of Aladdin as well with that DLC. Um, so yeah, this is a game that was always fun to play, mm-hmm. um, and just your typical like scroll arcade kind of game. Um, but nothing, nothing super crazy. I mean, they did some remastering, kind of touch up in far as colors go, but they're not like smooth. They're not doing the Ducktales kind of remaster yeah. on this. They're just going, you like this game? Here it is. Um, they they haven't. It hasn't come out on uh, as a DLC on PlayStation. It was driving me nuts because I wanted it on PlayStation, but it came out on Switch, and you can get it on PC and whatnot. Um, but I've got it on Switch already, so that was obviously made sense. Um, but I don't know why it never came out on PlayStation. You can get the disc of it, but you can't yeah. get the the DLC add-on. Uh, you can only play Lion King and Aladdin on PlayStation. Wow. I don't know about Xbox. I don't know. Either. But Xbox is probably in line with Switch and PC. They probably actually... Because they all seem to play they, well. Yeah, they have a tendency to have most of the same shit kind of right. come down the pike at the same time. Exactly. So that was my number five. Nothing too crazy. No fireworks. I like it. Number four for me is Halo Infinite. Um, I oh, still yeah. haven't had a chance to finish the campaign, but over the course of the past month or so now, uh, I guess really almost close to two months, 
Uh, I've been playing the multiplayer because they released it a month, almost a month early um, prior to the campaign dropping and everything. But it's been a great experience. It's kind of just a a reemergence, like bringing back the classic Halo that people know and love from like Halo 2, Halo 3, your your feel of your uh, of the character and everything like that's a little bit more reminiscent of that. But they still have some of the additional tweaks that they kind of did for Halo 4 and 5, like uh, like sprinting. Uh, Master Chief was never actually able to sprint in the first three games. He was a little overweight. Um, yeah, he's a pretty heavy suit, you know, I'm sure. Sprinting's uh, not easy in that suit. No, sprinting ain't easy, period. <laughs> uh so yeah, he he, uh, he has that ability to sprint. You have different kind of, uh, I guess what you would call power ups. Essentially, uh, like there's uh, abilities that you can get to like drop a shield in mm. front of you. Um, the grappling hook you can utilize. They still have active camo and uh, the overshield as well too that you can pick up. Uh, by far, to me, the best invention and the best thing that they were able to do with this game far none is the grapple uh shot like the grappling hook mm. um it is kind of like doom it is more fun than driving any vehicle in the game like i would prefer any like playing through the campaign it is a massively huge open map and you can climb to the top of any of the mountains and stuff like that that you want to mm-hmm. traverse the uh, world is you know pretty much fully open to you to be able to explore and do this campaign in now as opposed to every other Halo before this has had just a linear storyline. Yeah. Um, so now that it's open and everything, your environment is so big that you can traverse it whichever way that you see One fit. One might say it's infinite. Oh, shit. Uh, but yeah, they have the the grapple shot that you can get with it and you know grappling to anything that you want to. And it does have a, a limited uh, use as far as it goes. You can level up uh, some of your equipment that you get. Um, including that to make like the time for uh, using it to like go down like your refresh time for mm-hmm. using the grapple shot. So I always encourage people like if you're going to play Halo uh, and you get your grapple shot, whenever you start getting the upgrade points and perks and shit like that for this, I would recommend splurging all of it on the grapple shot first and foremost, because it's really fun to use. It's awesome. You just like grapple. You shoot an enemy you're and they're like, like Spider-Man. Yeah, basically. And, and like you shoot an enemy and they have a gun or something that goes flying in the air. You can just grapple shot the fucking gun to oh. you. Uh, you can grapple two enemies and do like this like mega punch kind of a thing. Um, it, it's just fun as shit. Yeah, it's like they basically made Master Chief Spider-Man in a sense almost. Nice. And it's fun as shit. Just like I said, traversing all over Halo and then just dropping down and just beating the shit out of everybody. Yeah. But it's it's super fun. Um xbox pc game pass uh mm-hmm. play for free if you have a uh, pc game pass and i know it's available on both as well for purchase too so nice check it cool. out i uh my number four is the uh the scott pilgrim uh versus the world collection or remaster whatever that what they call it the the complete edition is what they call it yeah um and it's the the i guess it you know came out when the original game or the movie came out mm-hmm. um and it's just uh is a yeah, side scroll punchy 360 yeah, yeah right and um so i i got this on switch but i think it's on everything yeah um and it's just fun it's nice to see those that that uh that touch of those kind of classic arcade style just like the disney classics collection um you know i have that that idea of you can just go through and you punch guys and you grab weapons yeah. and you pick them up and you hit them with a crowbar Sometimes or it's hard to just beat a classic like 
like you know multiplayer Absolutely. twin stick arcade just beat them up type yeah. of thing like your dra- double dragons or whatever yeah that's what the, another thing like I, I i thoroughly enjoyed scott pilgrim and mm-hmm. um the game and and it makes me look forward to what we get from jay and silent bob's game right because i've not had a chance to experience any of the demos or anything like that right. of it at all and i'm excited to see what yeah. kind of comes out of that once it full yeah because like mall brawl came out and that was obviously yeah. just a, a kind of fun kind of in the same the yeah. same way of that like eight bit kind of yeah. setup but that was like meant to be more of a traditional like if you're playing double dragon yes. on the nes right. like your standard 8-bit that yeah. this one's going to be with chronic blunt punch it is yeah. like a full-on 32-bit regular res yes. color yeah but but still the same side scroll yep. punch em up game and everything so yeah it's going to be super fun i don't even i still don't know because i was on the backer for that uh-huh. with fig and uh i they still haven't actually put out a release i think that they're hoping but for last end time, of next year i last time i had heard or something end of 2022 sorry it, it was slated to be whenever i looked at like games coming out um through game informer site they had it slated for sometime in may oh okay but i don't know it could get pushed back further if something else comes up or whatever everything is you know kind of still anymore right now but um that 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 was the last time that i thing that i had Mm -hmm. seen um but yeah i'm super stoked for it Mm -hmm. i don't know why it also just like something about may and it being almost being about summer it just makes that to me like feel like that's more fun that's gonna be your your summer jam yeah, you know what I mean though. Like it's like, <laughs> hey, this game just came out. Summer, school's out. This is what we're gonna play, you know, for months. Right. You know, kind of a Except thing. For school's not out. Still gotta go to work. But it's just gonna. Yeah. It's just that feeling. Yes. In your brain. One hundred percent. Absolutely. Uh, my number three is Hades. Ooh, I've downloaded it. It's on the laptop. Uh, so this is a roguelite type game, um, in the same vein of like Binding of Isaac or Enter the Gungeon, um, that has a not really a permadeath system to it so much, but you do have to like start over at the beginning if you do die. Um, so there's a possibility I'll hate it. Uh, probably <laughs> there is a possibility. I don't know if you've played, you know, uh, Gungeon or any of those really. No. Um, so it, like I said, it has this like reward system that kind of builds up and a cohesive story that constantly fleshes out, even whenever you die. You fall back down. Um, you play as Hades' son, um, so you see all of these other, you know, uh, Greek gods and goddesses that are down here in Hades, and mm-hmm. you're trying to escape the rings of hell, trying to come back out to Earth's surface, kind mm. of a thing. I see. Um, to break away from your father, kind of. And there's like a cohesive story that goes on between you and your father. Obviously, um, I think Achilles is down there. Medusa's there, but she kind of like maintains this like weird little bar that kind of is down there. And she's just like a severed head. So she just kind of floats around. She's very mm. like, they make her almost like she's like a Japanese chibi kind of cute, cutie little chick almost in a way. Interesting. <laughs> All the other characters aren't like that, but for some reason they were just like, let's make the weird, scary snake lady monster. The cutest thing you've ever seen. Um, <laughs> But yeah, there's even every time that you die, there's like new dialogue. There's new cohesive story. Um, So, I mean, as much as it is a rewarding experience to get as far as you can into uh, each ring as Mm -hmm. you progressively go up and up and up, it also is worth it to die occasionally. So that way you can get some of these story beats and points to upgrade your character and upgrade abilities and stuff because you'll retain things that you collect out in that realm but you really can't come back until you die. Yeah. So if you're really, really good at the game, you could probably make your way out on the first try. But 
like me, you know, I die, you know, within the first three, four rooms multiple times. I'm getting all this really cool, rich story that Mm -hmm. they're feeding me. I'm able to upgrade my character. Now I have a better sword that hits harder and shit. So I'm making my way progressively further and further. But it's their way of telling this story. And they do storytelling so well. This is a super giant games. The same people that made uh, Transistor, Bastion, um, all these really awesome games that have a very similar style they're mm-hmm. almost like 2.5 d in a way yeah because it kind of shows the camera angles always at like a weird odd angle mm-hmm. um and it's the same kind of beautiful uh bolded line artwork that you come to know and yes. love from those games and stuff um but this is the first time they've made a game that's like this that's a that's a roguelike game where you die you have to go back and start over kind of a thing mm-hmm. um but i think it's strong enough that uh people will definitely uh have a lot of replay value to it and keep coming back to it. It's number three. Number three. Uh, my number three is The Matrix Awakens. <laughs> Have you played this little thing yet? No. Uh, so it's a demo. A, yeah, it's a what is it? Um, what's the the game system like? It's a, a tech demo on Unreal Five. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but it, it is pretty cool. Um, yeah. you you do have a a little bit of story to it. Uh, where you are in the in the matrix and you have to do some dodge mechanics and hit a button at the right time and all that kind of thing to follow this little story where you're in the you follow one of the characters that's in the new movie the resurrections movie which one um the girl bugs yes yeah um yeah you follow bugs um in in just a little mission i liked her character yeah she was really cool and uh and so that was fun. It wasn't nothing but maybe 15 minutes worth of anything. Yeah. And then you get to be in the city, the in the Matrix. Um, when the lights go down in the city? No, lights are up. I think, you no, you can't turn. You can toggle the lights off, too. <gasps> oh, shit. Yeah, so both. Um, and you can either fly or you can walk around. And you can kind of interact with these different kind of checkpoints. Fly? Yeah. Are you Neo at this time or, or Trent? No, I don't remember what Tiffany? you who you are. Um, <laughs> I don't remember who you are actually in that, but the it was just cool to see that they're interested in doing something more with the Matrix yeah. potentially. Um, I'm not sure if this was just a hey, because the movie's coming out or the movie came out, uh, we're gonna do this little demo, or if there's there's gotta be more to it. There's gotta be a reason why there, they demoed that. Right? They were showing this as a tech demo to kind of give you a little bit of emphasis on what's coming down, but it might be a year or two away. Right. But Unreal Five just came out mm-hmm. this year as a as a engine, a game developing yes. engine. So everything that's behind it is all relatively new. They knew they wanted to build a game using this engine, so you know, something that just came out in like April, May or something like that. They're not going to have full time to build no. an entire game to come out prior to uh, Revel- or Resurrections coming out. Yeah. So I'm sure that they were just kind of being like, hey, check this out. This is something that we've made um, to showcase, you know, how good Unreal Engine 5 is. Mm-hmm. And also to show you that we can also try to make a kick ass game where you can fly around or have a cool shoot around a city and everything. And it looked really awesome. Yeah. Load time was great on it. And it looked really really neat and they really wanted you to focus on how the different angles and the lighting and the sun and the moon and everything hit because you could even go into different scenarios where you could um, not as a player play through but you could go through different scenes and toggle through like hey here's what it looks like but then here's where you're looking at the behind the scenes kind of code on here's the colors reflecting and how they represent one another or, or you know 
how that relativity in programming is. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was cool because it is a tech demo, like you yeah. said, uh, to that part of it. But you could really walk around that city and there's a bunch of little pieces that you're supposed to hit up or do checkpoints for. Um, and you could probably spend a couple of hours on it if you really wanted to. Yeah. Um, just to walk around the city uh, or fly around the city Ooh. if you wanted to. Uh, they have any I, physics that correlate with the flying around the city? Well, you're doing it from a first person Okay. Um, I didn't know, like, you know, like a lot of times whenever they show, I can't remember which movie, I guess it was the second movie, whenever Neo is like going crazy fast and he's on the highway and mm -hmm. you see the fucking cars like oh, swirling behind him. No, there wasn't anything like that, but you can get in the cars, uh, Grand Theft Auto style and wreck them um, and, and do all that as well. And you can kind of hit people, but they go away, like they kind because obviously they're just a program um, in there. Uh, but then. You, you when you fly, the only thing I noticed is that it you constantly are on like a dip down. Like you don't, you're not. If you don't actually push to fly up, you're constantly yeah. doing a decline, like a glide almost. Yeah, almost way. like a glide. Uh, but it, it it was it was just neat. It it was and gave me hope for the potential of a Matrix game in the future because we haven't got one in a very very long time. I mean, what was yeah. the we had the two games that came out Into during the like playstation 2 era path of neo yeah and yeah. then we had the online game yeah which has been open just recently closed like within the last five years right yeah the servers on that uh but i never played that it was like I, 2005 or 2006 when that released when it started yeah gotcha closer um, toward the end of like when revelations came out i see i'm pretty sure so all the exciting parts are obviously getting back in because it seems like they're going yeah. full force into the matrix again yeah at least for the time being back to the matrix right number twos number two is metroid dread for me for the nintendo switch okay boy howdy let me tell you how much i love and have missed a good metroid game this is a fucking phenomenal title um i don't care what anyone says because there are a lot of haters for this title out there. haters gonna hate man there uh this is technically a successor to metroid fusion which I never really truly knew until just a couple of years ago that because they have so many different retellings of other games whenever they like they did Zero Mission on the Game Boy Advance. Mm -hmm. And Zero Mission was basically a retelling of the original Metroid, basically. Um, and then Fusion came out as a, you know, kind of what I thought was just like a, a pseudo sequel. Maybe they're just telling like a one off story. But no, the way that they're saying it is like there's Metroid 1, Metroid 2, Super Metroid metroid fusion and this is like the fifth metroid entry in that thing in like a chronological order so mm. technically this is all like full-on canon for that story this is what happens directly after the storyline in fusion um in fusion for those that don't know metroid actually gets uh samus gets attacked by this weird biological goop that uh is like stuck in her and on her so the only way that they can actually keep her alive is by basically making a suit that is now fused onto her body that kind of uses that goop to feed off of herself. They injected her DNA with a Metroid DNA, which is like the, the alien, like brain sucker looking creatures. Mm -hmm. So they gave her, they injected her with like a Metroid DNA. So now she can leech off of these creatures that were killing her and keeping keeps her alive basically i see um so they talk about the virus uh that happened in infusion briefly in this game closer toward the beginning but um essentially 
the game's mechanics are very reminiscent of that of uh, Metroid classic, you know, like Super Metroid or Metroid Fusion in general. Um, one of the newer mechanics that's to it is that whenever you start off the game, you don't have all of your power ups and everything. That's, you know, kind of the whole point of like a Metroid title is uh, finding big bosses, killing them, getting new power ups to further progress and other areas that you might have already explored before and kind of going backtracking a little bit and getting different power-ups to help you out along the way. And in this one, there are these sentient robots that are kind of crawling all over the place, hunting Samus uh, the entire time. So the whole point of like Metroid Dread is that there is this like layer of kind of like panicked survivalism that kind of comes into play with it. Um, Because up until you get certain abilities, you can't destroy these robots that are chasing after you. So there's no like fight or flight type of a thing. It's just strictly flight. I see. So it's just running away, trying to hide, using like camouflage, you know, to blend yourself into the environment to get away from it. So it's it adds like a whole layer of, um, I, I guess, fear, but almost like an, a layer, a tiny layer of anxiety to try mm. and hide from this creatures, you know, these these robots to... Uh, make sure you don't get killed right kind of like they took like a concept of like alien or aliens you know and then like threw it in with a metroid game so it's really really awesome i thought it was a really cool concept there are a lot of people that didn't like the aspect of like trying to run and hiding from these creatures but i thought that it added a a little bit of a a new flair to it that i enjoy yeah but i could see how there are people out there that would not enjoy it luckily there's a lot of save points and areas that you hit that are you know just checkpoints and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so if you do die to those creatures it's not like it's the worst thing in the world because you have saved relatively frequently um usually before you're in these like areas that are being investigated kind of a thing so if you do die it's kind of like this sucks now i have to think like maybe i don't go up here maybe Mm -hmm. i try to go down to go around this way instead so i think it's really cool i enjoyed it quite a bit that's my number two nice my number two is sora on Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> Another DLC. Because like I said, I haven't played a lot. Um, and there wasn't a lot that really caught I'm my fancy. I like that your first like two games were actually games, though. And then now it's progressively gotten to a point where it's just like, now I'm stretching the taffy. <laughs> You're telling me that you enjoyed not necessarily Sora just as a character adding. But I'm saying you enjoyed Matrix Awakens more than you enjoyed them adding a whole new game of The Jungle Book in as a DLC. Yes. Okay. I mean, it's Jungle Book. I played it before. Like, oh, I know, but it's a classic. <laughs> the Matrix was minutes long. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's all That's all it takes to impress me. It doesn't take... That's a great. But uh, Sora was a great add-on, and it was it was monumental to the Smash Brothers yeah. world. Finally to, uh, finally announced, finally brought in. This is a was a big year for Kingdom Hearts. Like, just like, I feel like being accepted into the world outside of... PlayStation. I mean, obviously, when three came out, we got that on Xbox, but this is the year that we got it on Switch. Uh-huh. Um, do we also get it on PC this year? Was that early this year? PC that the PC port was. Yes. Yeah. And then, it came in February or March. And then like that. Sora hitting Smash Brothers is like, yeah. Kingdom Hearts is no longer this you can like, see little Donald corner and of the Goofy world. At Tokyo Disney World. Yeah. Dressed up in the garb, right? With shield and wand. Yeah. Now. It's all like it. It feels 
Like it's only taken. Do you think it'll be accepted ever, like as like a a canon? Yeah, not necessarily. Maybe not necessarily canon, but I'm saying like, do you think that they'll try to ever bring something like Sora and the storyline into a lexicon of a Disney World, as in, I don't know, maybe make a, know. maybe make a ride out of it, or I guess it really depends on make an animated movie. You know, if they if they ever actually get that was where I was going to go is like. Yeah. Are they if they ever get to a point where they can do a series or yeah. a movie based around this, then I think there's a potential to have something more than a pop up because they've done pop up little like meet and greets and stores yeah. and whatnot for Kingdom Hearts, but they've never done uh, anything more than that. But I mean, when I was at, at Disney World this year, yeah, there was a uh, there was a more pins in Disney World that were Kingdom Hearts pins and yeah. pins are a big deal for Disney. So it's like, okay, well, we're getting more of that. What's the potential that Hollywood Studios or something? I don't think we'll ever see it in like Magic Kingdom. Uh, no, I, what I was getting at, it doesn't even have to be like big budget on the big screen kind of a thing. This could be just like Disney a Plus. series for Disney Plus Absolutely. or a movie for Disney Plus. Yeah. Animate it in the same way that you do like Big Hero 6. Yeah. You know, either the animated series or mm-hmm. or this. I mean, it'd be really cool yeah. and charming to see Sora and Donald Goofy actually just drawn well in a world where like so the the original one came out in oh five game yeah oh four two thousand two oh two was one okay so next year is 20 yeah so next year is gonna be 20th anniversary we know that there's big announcements potentially with the 20th anniversary it's gonna be a big deal um you know is one of those things could we see we've we've seen them do movies that are a makeup of a bunch of uh, cutscenes from stuff. You know, when we saw 2.8, they did a a, a movie of of the uh, Whatchamajigots. Like kind of the old the old stuff. The yeah. the Union Cross, pre-Union Cross yeah. type thing. So we've seen movies before. We saw we see a lot of video footage going forward. So we know how good that looks, even at the very beginning. I mean you think about the the hidden movie on the back end of Kingdom Hearts One was like awesome looking. Yeah. Uh. So, I would see it in that animation. Like, and yeah. I would I would totally watch a full Kingdom Hearts One movie. Maybe they do a little bit of correction to make everything make a little more sense because I know they've had to do some some kind of retconning. Uh, Maybe just history. to test the waters, they do something that's like Kingdom Hearts shorts. That'd be cool. You know what I mean? Just like little snippets that maybe aren't even like canon to the Kingdom Hearts yeah. world, but introduces people to those characters proper for people that aren't familiar, you know, who Sora is in the first place, why he has these interactions with these characters or something, but just kind of be like, Hey, this is a guy who exists from this video game. Here's him hanging out with Donald and goofy in this gummy ship. And they're just having a wacky time for two minutes. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then maybe now we're like, Oh shit, they're, they're in wonderland now and they're walking around, you know, just like stupid little shorts or something like that to kind of, push people into that direction then be yeah. like hey this is from a video game series and we're going to try and show you this cool movie now i want to see that in like an animation style that's either like when they did the remember when they did the little mini games connected to kingdom hearts 3 that were all kind of black and white and classic yeah. kind of steamboat uh-huh. willy style something like that animation style or kind of in the similar way but the mickey mouse cartoons that you always talk about the shorts, yeah, the shorts uh i think that would be a cool way to see those characters in a way that is kind of defines like hey these aren't within the timeline they're just kind of funny little side stories yeah would be fun to see them in something like that cool uh number one for me is resident evil village word uh 
it was really kind of a no contest, no brainer thing for me. You loved this. I absolutely loved it. This is such a cool love letter to people that enjoyed the aspects of seven that it brought to the table, you know, making it a really cool survival horror game that would be in first person. But then they tied so many other things together in this game uh, to kind of show you the actual like true, true origins of the virus and where it came from and how it like correlates with everything that's kind of going on mm-hmm. and why these, this storyline in general is important um, because they left a lot of things open in seven to kind of be like, uh, this, this is a new, new story, new strain of the virus. As far as you know, new story who dis? Uh, but you don't really know, you know, everything in the ins and outs, what's going on. Uh, but like I said, they did a really good job tying everything together. All of the characters and villains, especially are, very very charismatic and super super awesome definitely to me best villains of the series um nice. so far and i can say that without batting an eye they even I, beat I, out I, what's his face in resident evil 3 i love wesker nemesis. i love with i love nemesis you know i love tyrant and all those guys and stuff too but the cast of villains that you have in this are just chef's kiss it's fucking great nice um like i said super awesome storytelling it leaves it open enough for you to be like oh cool there's obviously clearly going to be a sequel to this um uh but you know it's gonna have to kind of go in a slightly different direction uh but yeah there's i could not speak highly more highly of this i think it's on sale now um for the holiday stuff but i don't know if it'll be over by the time this comes out probably but but it was really really good Cool. My number one, it's the only game that I really truly played all year was, and this is another like loophole uh, game. <laughs> it's, Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, no, is Genshin Impact uh, port to PlayStation 5. Um, that's why how it's new this year because the PS5 version came out this uh, year. Oh, yeah, yep, yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, how yeah, I get yeah, by yeah, with yeah. that. Uh, I find my ways around to, it's make, cool. to make it work. I like it. Um, I, I spent a lot of time, especially since you said Horizon Zero Dawn. There was a Aloy. and there was an thing. Aloy kind yeah. of promo thing that when you got to level twenty or whatever, um, you were able to get Aloy as a playable character, and so that was my goal. Was like I got to do this, and uh, I had a friend who was interested in playing this, and and was like, you got to play, you got to play, you got to play it, and finally, I was like, all right, fine, I'll play it once I got my PlayStation Five and got all that going. Um, spent many many an hour uh, getting it all worked out, uh, and I haven't played it probably in three months, but I really enjoyed. The time I had with it, and I'll I'll get back on it again at some point. Yeah, uh, for sure. But who knows when? But that's my number one. Cool. Uh, honorable mentions for me uh, to go over real quick. I had Call of the Sea, uh, Back for Blood, uh, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond, and Shining Pearl. I got Brilliant Diamond. Uh, Outriders, Genesis Noir, The Gunk, which is a game I mentioned to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I actually just played a, a week or so ago. That was really good. Um, and then the Guardians of the Galaxy game. Oh, you played it? Uh, a little bit of it. You like? Yeah, it's pretty good. Cool. I don't have any honorable mentions. I was scraping the barrel to get the five things that I had. <laughs> Very well. Let's move to TV. <laughs> TV. This is something I can talk about, though. Okay. And let's give them something to talk let's about. You some... tell me your number five since you had no honorable mentions. Number five <laughs> is uh, DuckTales Season 3. Woo-hoo. We got the ending of the DuckTales uh, saga in the, the re- kind of boot or whatever of of disney's uh thing and this is something we talked about from the day it kind of came out i mean or shortly after we kind of hopped on the bandwagon yeah um and it was like oh we should we should definitely be paying attention to this 
Um, and just the way that they wrapped everything around uh, Webigail and and really made it an entire the entire three season arc was about her was so cool. And it was like some really smart writing, it, just like anything. When you have that many episodes, you've got a lot of middle ground and stories that are just kind of filler and they're just for fun and kind of wacky. But uh, the kind of the structure of those three seasons and the ending with that. Uh, was really something that was smarter than you probably would expect from a children's cartoon, I thought. Yeah, for sure. Uh, My number five was I put limited series because they've not said if there's going to be another season or anything to it, and I really don't see them doing it, but would be uh, Apple TV Plus's uh, Schmigadoon. Mm. Uh, It's a very, very fun, funny romp through uh, your traditional musicals of the twenties, a la like Music Man or Sound of Music, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, yep, and it was like very reminiscent to all of those, um, with a splash of flavor and flair brought to you by uh, Keegan Michael Key and Cecily Strong. Strong, um, bringing in kind of your hey, we're from New York your City, grounded people, we're doctors, yeah. and we're from New York City, and we're grounded in today's everything. And they're all the entire time just kind of like, what is going on the entire time? Um, But it is a really good, heartfelt story about a couple that is together, uh, potentially going through a divorce. And Schmigadoon kind of uh, as a township, musical township, bringing them back together. Mm -hmm. And uh, I loved it very much. Yeah, I had just started it recently. It's been pretty good. My number four is Reservation Dogs, uh, which has been on FX on Hulu, I think is how it was branded but it was a hulu show yeah um and this is an entirely for the most part entirely casted directed written by uh native americans and uh produced by um uh what's his face yep from, from uh you know those movies no <laughs> uh who you're talking about. i can't think of his name uh he's korg movies? on uh on thor he's the director of the last oh, thor movie uh, uh takai watiti uh, yeah uh, taika Waititi. Yes, thank you. Uh, he's producer, kind of put all this together. Flight of the Concords. Yes. yes. I don't know that, but yes. Yes. Um, and uh, But no, this it's a very... It's these kids that grow up on the reservation, uh-huh. the, the uh, Native American reservation, and uh, they're, there's kind of this feeling, and this is, could be true, I guess, in certain areas, where they're very... It's very, like, street, but they're not, like... They're like uh, you and I trying to be street. Like it's yeah. not like they're like real hard, but they're not at all. Get your ass um, over here, dog. Yeah. And uh, and so it's this group of kids and they want to get out. They want to go to California. They want to kind of get off the reservation. Um, And it's their their story. And it was it's their re- version of Rumspringer. Kind of. Yeah. Except for it's not like a, <laughs> it's not structured in that way. It's, for, it's just like they're turning 18 and they want to get off. Yeah. Out. yeah. Uh, like if we wanted to get out of this place kind of a thing. Yeah. It's all, you. uh, that's cool. Yeah. But it was, it was really good. Super funny, but also had a lot of emotional beats to it. Um, I've heard good things about it, but I didn't really research it to see what it was all entailing. Highly recommend it. Cool. Uh, my number four is season 15 of it's always sunny in Philadelphia. It is all completely out now. Uh, eight episodes, four episodes of which are an arc where they just went to Ireland and spent four episodes there having kind of like a whole side quest, if you will. Okay. Um, Charlie finds out that he has his, he actually does have a biological father that's alive. Uh, his dad is uh, an Irishman who he has written as a pen pal that he thought was potentially his brother. 
his entire life, but come to find out it's his mm. dad. His name is Shelly Kelly. Um, and he is a cheesemonger in, in Ireland. Uh, everything about this season elevated what they had done last season, like tenfold. Nice. I enjoyed the last season quite a bit, but there were chunks of episodes where Glenn Howardson's character wasn't there because he yes. was doing AP bio. Um, but now that he's back into the Fort Ray, it makes me realize, you know, like the episodes that have Glenn Howerton are the strongest, like all of this cast and crew, the cast and crew together mm-hmm. are phenomenal and they work off of each other so well that it is just crazy how good it is when all five of them are just kind right. of there together. Um, and this season shined for me. I thought it was amazing front to back. Uh, there's a, a moment that happens in the very last episode where Charlie's character has like kind of almost like a five minute monologue in the rain. Uh, spoilers mourning his father who mm. and died. Oh, and uh, it's it like showed me. I was just like, I had no idea Charlie Day had this kind of range because it was like I was watching a drama and I started like welling up to cry. And I was just like, this is fucking crazy. Like he can actually be a serious actor. I didn't, he's never done anything serious really. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't know that he had range like that. I thought it was just, he wrote for comedy. He's always just been in comedies. That's just kind of his bread and butter, but dude can fucking act. And it shows it was really, really good. Very well-written season. I loved it a lot. I've seen him as a villain for sure, but I don't know if I've ever seen him in serious. I'm sure he's done something, but probably, but, uh, I was just meant like to my knowledge, like I know him, uh, Rob McElhaney, uh, and Glenn Howerton, right? Always yeah. Sunny. Uh, he's written for other movies that he's also starred in as well, too, and stuff. And pretty much every other thing that I think I've seen him in are, you know, all comedy yeah. for the most part. Gotcha. Uh, my number three is WandaVision season one. <gasps> I didn't, uh, there's there's not a lot of. That was this year? Uh, yeah. It's the very beginning of this year. Jesus. <laughs> what a long year. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of obviously good shows that came out of the just even the Disney Plus kind yeah. of bucket. Um, but if I had to pick one and I did for this, uh WandaVision is the one that's the one I I think I watched uh, some of those episodes three or four times. Yeah. Uh um, you liked it more than Loki, you think? I then? loved yeah. it more than it was way way more there was way more that happened in that than Loki. Yeah. Loki kind of felt like it could have been I didn't watch Loki. I've watched I think half of WandaVision. I didn't yeah. put it on my list. Spoilers, because I don't want to put stuff on there that's kind of haphazard. Yeah, and for sure. Halfway done. Uh, and you know, and Falcon Winter Soldier was good. Yeah, but it's not my. It wasn't. There wasn't anything wrong with it. It just isn't the kind of piece that I would seek out. Um, Did yeah. you watch all of Hawkeye? Oh yeah, leading yeah. into it. Do you mm-hmm. like it too? I like Hawkeye a lot. Yeah, yeah. Hawkeye. Uh, spoilers makes it to my honorable mentions. Oh cool. Uh, because it's light and fluffy, and it's just like this kind of. I have, like again, it's, I haven't started it either. It's a, but. it's a it's a light show. There's not a lot of crazy, but there's some good cameos in it, and yep. and and the, on that side of things. But WandaVision, I heard about one felt, cameo that made me super excited. Yeah, yeah. Uh, WandaVision just felt special, I guess, in a, yeah. without sounding corny. Well, I mean, um, they did so much more to go above and beyond what you would expect a Marvel series to probably even do. Yeah. Well, you know, any stretching TV. the imagination to do like, here's an episode that's in the 50s. Here's an episode that's in the yeah. 70s. You know what I mean? Like everything, every episode was a new adventure almost. And they they made it to where they made a show that kind of defied, the, just like the first season of Mandalorian 
did the same as something that defi- defied what you expected of TV. Yeah. Like, hey, here's a series. And you're like, well, that's new. Uh, so I think that's definitely what WandaVision did for me. Was cool. That. So uh, my number three is Squid Game season one. Mm. Um, this is my first foray into any kind of a, a drama esque or I guess horror in this sense um foray into anything that's like korean japanese anything that's asian inspired outside of anime i think you and the rest of the world like right it's not really think of how many people that like that really branched out to that probably never saw something or even watched a show that they had to read subtitles on well there's other korean so shows that i've actually now have since sought out to try and uh sample to see if i like them as well and there are a few that actually shine there's one called uh i think it's we are ghosts um, where the guy can see ghosts um, and he fights them. It, it's it's actually like a full-on just comedy show. Mm. Um, and you really have to just kind of watch a trailer for it to see what I mean about it, because it's actually pretty funny. I've watched two or three episodes of that, and it's pretty good. But yeah, this was like really, truly, like, like I said, I've seen a ton of anime. Yeah, of course. But outside of animation, I've never actually sought to want to watch, you know, mm-hmm. real people be in in real situation. <laughs> real thing. people. Uh, but I thought it was great. I mean, we've we've talked about it mm-hmm. numerous times on the show, so I won't go too in depth with it. But again, you know, my kind of ideology with it was I, I always thought it as like it has the uh, question and atmosphere of a lost, you know, having all these questions that it would kind of bring up in the episode that you just kind of want to dive deeper into find more, find out more about what's going on. Um, and then it has really cool traps and, and horror element, you know, a la like saw or something like that, mm-hmm. that you would have to go through the stuff, you know, like the different games and stuff that you would think like, there's no way this could be some weird, brutal thing or whatever, but then it somehow turns out to be horrible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. My number two is Midnight Mass. Yes. Yeah, uh, we, we didn't watch any of this yet. I gobbled it up. It was, I heard so, it good. was so good. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, it, I look at this as the third in like kind of a season of Bly of, of, well, yeah, with or, Bly or with, with house with series. Yeah. What, what would you call it even? <laughs> well, I mean, they're, they're all three different standalone, yeah. but they're doing it in a kind of a way that makes you kind of feel that it's familiar. Yeah. Um, same like director, I think. Um, yeah. And is. the, the cast gets kind of interchanged throughout, but it's, it's familiar enough to where you're like, Oh, it's kind of an anthology series, but not at all yeah. presented that way at the same time. Uh, but yeah, it just the 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 twists and turns. I thought this was done so well, um, and I really liked the characters and and how this little island in New England, you know, gets tore up and uh, tore up, and uh, it's one. Of, it's just kind of in that same vein of, and not because vampires, because these aren't vampires, but. Uh, it kind of in the same vein of like 30 days of night was so clever because it's like this place in Alaska where the sun's down for, our, for this yeah. so long for 30 now it's days hunting season. And now it's hunting it like, yeah. it's just so perfect. And this is so perfect in the way that it's like, well, there's all these little communities that are stuck on these islands. And yeah. if something happens there, it's so contained. Yeah. And you can tell the story that doesn't have to necessarily get bigger than that. And uh, I thought that was really neat and uh, really well pulled off. I feel like, the writers and creators of those three seasons of shows are 
dipped and steeped into the same kind of creative juices that like Ryan Murphy and his crew had when they started doing like American Horror mm, Story. I could see that. They keep up the momentum of that, though, where I feel as though American Horror Story had faltered as it kind of yeah. went along. And Murphy out. And, and Brad Falchuk are just like, I just they don't know how to end a story. Right. Is what we decided. Uh, I was talking with some people and it's like. It just doesn't. They they can tell. Yeah. They can set a great story up, but yeah. their execution at the end but is just like, like, and it's over. This is all very cohesive, yeah. and it's always had a really good bookend on yeah. front and back, and well, a super awesome, rich story to tell you how to get there in the first place. I don't know about especially that Midnight first Mass, season. It was but so good. Hill House and Blind Manor are both books. Those yeah. are those are book adaptations. Yeah. I don't know if Midnight Mass very is very not. old books. <laughs> um, and so like there, those are those stories that tell take the test yeah. of time. Is like. You had a really good writer, and then somebody adapted it yeah. and turned it into this visual medium. It's just like, oh yeah, this yeah. Is, you improved on something, made it even better. My number two is something that you won't expect. Hmm. I got nothing. Season one is a kids show of MacGruber. Oh, you watched it all? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dude. It is everything I wanted more. Yeah, it's so good. It is so dumb and so well written, and <laughs> I just cannot speak highly enough of it. It is really good. Every character that is a returning character or uh, all new adapt to like iterations into it are uh, really well thought out and done for this. Lawrence Fishburne's character as the like uh, captain or commander of the the squads that he kind of answers to eventually every now and then. Uh, plays out that character super well. Uh, Billy Zane is the villain for this this season, and he's a very good villain. Anyways, he he plays a good villain. He's done yeah. villains multiple times. Uh, but yeah, it's it's like it's like there was no break between MacGruber the movie coming out and this coming oh, yeah? out. Um, like, does it just pick up where they left off, or is there a time? Yeah, gap? Yeah, there's or? there's a there is a time gap. It's uh, I think it's ten years basically. And they tell you everything you kind of need to know about MacGruber via Maya Rudolph, her character from the first movie, who is MacGruber's first wife that got assassinated. Um, and she's there in her wedding gown and stuff. And she sings a song to tell you all about what happened in the events of uh, MacGruber leading up to where the show will start. I see. Okay. Um, and it kind of like is a neat little like three minute way to be like, oh, cool. This is where we're at. Yeah. And that's kind of how you get introduced to it. But yeah, it's it's totally like nothing ever happened. And it just picks up so well. Uh, Will Forte is a fucking genius because him and uh, Yorma took home mm-hmm. uh, from the Lonely Island yeah. are the ones that wrote the whole series together and uh, super talented team. If you like goofy, dumb, stupid comedy, this is 100% for you and in the proper wheelhouse. If you don't like that or uh, dumb humor or poop humor sometimes or anything like that, then go ahead and skip over this. But <laughs> for me, I thought it was amazing. I thought it was super funny and really stupid, but in a good way. And I loved it. That's nice. my number two. Very cool. My number two, I I showed up late to the ball game. Uh, number two? But, uh, or my number one. Sorry. Okay. Number one. I was like, uh, I was like, I thought you. <laughs> I messed up. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, is Ted Lasso season two. Nice. Um, I showed up way late to the, this ball game, the soccer game, if you will, this football game, this football. Uh, but it, it, I hopped on, started watching season one, I guess last month. 
It was That's like Apple, right? Yeah. yeah. I was like, I'll try this again because I had I had started to watch it like twice. I've, I've watched the pilot like three times. And I was like, ah, it's not for me, not for me. I didn't really love the the kind of out of this world, like a not out of this world, but kind of big character that Jason Sudeikis is playing because it's really silly and and everything. I was like, I don't really dig that. But I kept on it and uh, and everybody just talking about talking about talking about it. And so I finally got into it, watched all of season one, and season two. And uh, it's just so good. The emotional beats on it. The funny isn't like rolling around on the floor laughing funny. It's more it's 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 goofy kind of like you kind of laugh at and go, ha, ah, that's funny. Or these characters are just kind of ridiculous. Uh, and and the you know, one of the the main characters is a, a really grumpy uh, soccer player that's kind of retired now. And yeah, and uh, and a lot of his is just like grump all the time. And it's kind of silly because you're like, is anybody really that like short with anybody that they're just like constantly just fuck off as their first response to anybody? <laughs> um, you know, but but those those things are all really good. And it's got so much heart in that story um, that I I really have made it my like new obsession is like, oh, Ted Lasso, I've got to watch that. Yeah, I've, I've heard nothing but good things about it. I've heard it's very lighthearted in its comedy and it's it's got it's got a lot of really good character to it mm-hmm. kind of a sense Absolutely. you know it's not like it's a a bad show kind of a thing like but ted's character is like nothing but like heart of gold kind of yes. character type of person yeah uh my number one is dexter new blood i put limited oh, yeah. series because we still don't know if uh if, if they're getting renewed that but uh my boy's back <laughs> it's been 10 years uh he's in hiding uh, as a new name, new new person, he's not Dexter Morgan anymore. Is Jim Lindsay? Yes. Uh, fucking great. You would think like it's been a long time. Shouldn't have left you without a dope beat to step two, step two. But it uh, he 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 pulled him a Gruber on me. He nice. picked it right back up like it was no thing. Uh, it's really really well written for the direction that they had to kind of go with things. Yeah. Um, and the introduction, which it's not really spoiler because it happens in the first episode, his son comes into the, into the foray of things, Mm -hmm. Harrison. So now Harrison is, I think 15 or 16. I want to say 16 maybe. And, uh, he has, you know, kind of come back into, uh, like I said, the foray of everything. And, uh, it's kind of just like, he wasn't there for him for, these last, you know, like 10 years, he knew mm-hmm. he was when he was a kid and stuff. So it's kind of trying like this weird bonding type of a thing. But one guy is also a secret serial killer, but he doesn't kill anymore. How do I tell him about my past? Does he have a past like that now, too? Because he might have the same kind of tendencies that I have. Gene. Uh, yeah, well, that's kind of the thing. Like in the initial series, they introduce you to Dexter and you find out that he was kind of quote unquote born in blood as in like his mother and father were murdered horribly Ah. and they were killed up like by this gang. And he was left in this like, uh, like a shipping container. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then his adoptive father, who is the cop that actually found him, found him like next to his mom's body sitting in a pool of like her own blood and Ah. shit. And that was kind of like a and trigger shit? point. Gross. No, no, gross. Uh, it was kind of like a trigger point for him that kind of like led to his path. His normal same thing. Yeah. Kind of led to the same thing with Harrison because like in the fourth season after Harrison was born, Dexter's wife at the time, uh, Rita, is murdered by uh, the Trinity Killer, who's played by John Lithgow. And uh, uh, after that happens, Dexter rushes in, finds Harrison on the floor, 
in a pool of his mom's own blood. Mm. So it's kind of like they're both born in blood ah, kind of I a see. thing. They have the same exact like legacy. So now seeing that happen, you're like, does he have these same tendencies kind of like he does now? If they yeah. named the show Jim instead of Dexter, you think it would still have the same like <laughs> I think people would be like, or Dexter colon the gym years. <laughs> I don't know. That makes me think of wonder years for some reason, yes. <laughs> but yeah, it, it does not have quite the same cachet <laughs> or like, it's like saved by the bell, the college years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, real quick. My honorable mentions I put, which are season two, uh, lock and key season two on there. I have not got to watch them, but I'm excited to get you into put them it. on a mention. If you haven't seen them, how do you know if they're good? Well, they're mentioned. <laughs> Just messing with you. Uh, and then I also put on, uh, which it's not new, but uh, we're catching up on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. We're close to being pretty done with it. And then uh, same thing with Parks and Rec as well, too. Gotcha. So I put that on there just because they're feeding through those. I see. Other mentions I had were Sweet Tooth Season 1, uh, Tiger King Season 2, plus the Doc Antle story, which is like a three-episode extra on top of that. Because, yeah. you know, you need that. Uh, American Horror Stories season one because I thought that was pretty swell. I wasn't digging the new season of American Horror Story, but the stories was really good. They do. I, I wish they would do more of that and less of the other because they can finish that story a lot better. Like I said, Hawkeye season one, uh, you season three was really was really awesome. Star Wars Vision season one, you know that was that was really cool. And then speculatively, I'm guessing that the first episode of Book of Boba is going to be pretty hot because that comes out tomorrow as we are recording this. Yes. Uh, but can't not mention it, but also haven't seen it. You want to get into some movies? <laughs> movies, yes. All right. Do you want to start it? Yes. Okay, because I started TV. Number five. Okay. Halloween Kills. Really? Uh, I told you I had eight movies, right? On your five? Uh, yeah, uh, for my top five. You're, you're starting with number eight? No, this is number five. Oh, okay. I don't understand. Uh, my number five? How is, are you going to do eight movies in no, five? No, because I, I had three honorable mentions. Yeah, that's okay. You can, you, know, you can have as many honorable mentions as you want. My number five is Halloween Kills. Okay, really? Yeah. I heard you trash talk that movie so badly. Yeah, but then the last 30 minutes was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> that's um, funny. After another watch, because I'd seen it again. You watched it again? It was just on. I'm just messing with you. But yeah, after a second watch, I realized it was like, it's not as bad as I was. It was I was making it out to be. Um, There are some moments, obviously, that are very over the top and overacted. I think they wrote it campy. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think they that was all on purpose. But uh. Like I said, there, there. Even though it was campy and it was on purpose, there's campy on purpose, bad acting, and then there's just bad acting. Uh, there was some actors in this movie that were atrocious at what they were doing, mm. but for the most part, the story was decently well rounded. Um, I really did legitimately enjoy that last like thirty minutes a lot. That to me screamed like this is what I wanted for the whole time. I see, and not just like a mindless killing like spree type of a thing. It doesn't have to be like that, but it was wrapping up beats. Uh, you know, like story beats and stuff like that, that they were trying to talk about throughout the movie that they were dragging on for like way too long. But as it was kind of coming to a head and that climax was coming in there, it was 
telling everything the way that it probably should have been. I see. And uh, I, I did enjoy it quite a bit. Now, I will say out of like honorable mentions and Halloween kills, a lot of them are probably fairly interchangeable um, for the most part. I the see. rest of my list, I would say, is fairly solid. And it's I locked uh, in, locked in. Uh, but that one I felt like was a little bit stronger for me personally out of the others. Gotcha. My number five is coming to America. Yeah. Yes, it was uh really good. I thought that they played it off really well. The uh the way that they told the story uh and kind of modernized it and continued on the legacy of the of the original not messing with anything that was there but really just kind of uh building on it I thought was pretty pretty good uh for something that's super old and I would imagine you have to tiptoe around it quite a bit when you're writing the 2021 version of coming to America uh, to make it all work. And, and did make somebody it... clean the royal penis, though? I don't think there were any royal penises being cleaned Damn in it. this. <laughs> uh, but it was it was a laugher. I laughed quite a bit on that. Uh, you know, all the all the things you needed out of it were in there. The extra stuff, you know, the things that one could find like offensive now. Uh, in the original one or or are not as tasteful um you didn't need that stuff and that's yeah. what i find uh, it's what is kind of weird to me about things that are uh don't have a lot of that are like oh that's you know whatever you word you want to use is not cool in a movie i usually don't find necessary like when you when you go to a kid's movie and they say like the word damn in it or hell or whatever damn. it's usually like unnecessarily and i just don't like it's just like Ooh, we got to seem edgy. That's the damn in a kid's movie that I think of more than any other one. If I was to pick out one is, is uh, the one from the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, gotcha. whenever Raph is on the rooftop and he screams damn real loud. Yeah. Like for, all for the no reason, like for no reason. Yeah. So like a lot of like I said, a lot of the things that were in the original that they had to tiptoe around. You're not missing it in there. Uh, but I thought it was a really nice story about, you know, how legacy can be a certain way you're setting your ways for so long and all it takes is somebody questioning why um that will really you know turn a legacy upside down and and put it in good hands so i thought it was a cool movie uh my number four is the conjuring the devil made me do it uh yet another entry in the ed and lorraine warren uh horror saga i guess if mm -hmm. you will um as everyone probably knows by now i'm a sucker for these movies i really enjoy them quite a lot this one was not up there with the first one, which is still probably my favorite of all of them. Uh, but it was a very well told story. It was really cool and very interesting to see that this was like the retelling of that actual like real life occurrence of the first time somebody actually used a defense in court in a real court of law of, uh, you know, saying like I was possessed and the devil made me do it. You know, a demon was possessing me at that point in time. And, you know, kind of follow suit around this murder that happens and uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren being brought in as, you know, demonologists to help testify to try and save this kid's life because they believed strongly that he was possessed by a demon. So it was really kind of interesting seeing, you know, that kind of a thing brought into a film kind of light from something that was we know for sure is like not necessarily like the possession is real. I'm just saying, like, for sure, we know that this actually happened. They were in a court of law and that somebody I mean, that's the first it. time that that was. You don't think that like Salem witch trials, they didn't say something. No, was no, no, no. First time that was actually like recorded like this in in a United States court of law. 
But I will say, the witch trials were all recorded in the United States courts, right? I like, don't think it was like a judiciary system kind of a thing at that point in time. Oh, okay, I got you. Because they were like pilgrims, we had no state states mm. yet. George Washington, he was alive during the Salem witch trials. After before, right? No. Oh, really? I'm pretty sure. No. Oh, I don't know history that well. I'll leave it up to you. I'll leave no, it up he to was, you. He was alive during the Revolutionary Wars, and he was already like 50 or 40 or 50-something then. And at that point in time, that was in like the 1700s, and those Salem witch trials happened in the 1600s. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. I got you. So I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that this they, they have no correlation. I know. Well, I'm not talking about George Washington specifically, but like that's what I think of. Talking about George Washington Carver. I'm talking about he invented peanut butter. (laughs) No, I was thinking I was a farmer. I was thinking that all of that happened post the Malone organization of the United States government. At this point in time, colonization as we knew it for Salem and everything like that was just the colonies, which were centralized around Mm. like Massachusetts and Virginia and stuff like that. There were no like 13 state colonies yet even. This was like, there's one area we live. That's it. I gotcha. It's just wild to think that that's like the first time that it's recorded that somebody uses that as a defense. Um, And it's in what the, like the 19... That was the seven... No, that was early 80s. Like And and we, for years, have been prosecuting people for being witches are being possessed yeah so that's crazy yeah crazy. like uh, trying and then saying that you're cr- criminally insane different things of that nature were one thing but actually trying to full-on testify and have somebody that's testifying for you yeah saying like he was legit possessed here's our evidence because yeah. they had like tapes and video and stuff that they shot of this and like they brought you know forward in that that was the first time they actually had like a hearing where they were like all right let's see this evidence and you know Talk I know about it's it. spoilers, but I don't remember it when I watched the movie. But did they win that case or did they lose? It was guilty. It was guilty. Still. Guilty. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. They. They. All of I the jurors remember. were just like, "No, he, he killed the guy. <laughs> you crazy? You killed people. <laughs> <laughs> you killed your family, man. <laughs> it's still too legit to quit. You did it. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, my number four is Ghostbusters Afterlife, staying in the paranormal realm. Um, I would watch anything that they did for Ghostbusters. I loved the remake, the the reboot. Um, I really enjoyed this. Um, it's kind of in the same vein of like Star Wars as like or Marvel stuff. It's like keep putting it out. Some of it may not be as good, but when you flood it with that many things, you're gonna get some really good stuff in there. Yeah. And uh, and this wasn't one of those situations, but I, I felt like this was a really good story. I like the tone. I like the way it looked. Um, yeah, you could pick it apart, of course, uh, but I'm not one to pick things apart. I just go to be entertained and uh, have a good time. And even if they didn't pull in the original cast, I thought it was a pretty solid movie uh, through and through with it. I like the storyline. Um, they were, you know, replaying, obviously, using things that were already in existence and uh, they didn't have to, uh, but they did. Um, but hopefully as they move forward, they don't necessarily lock into the same paranormal things that they've already dealt with paranormal yeah. powers and then can kind of explore bigger things. I mean, they had a cartoon for, for however many seasons, probably three, four seasons that uh, they handled all kinds of different things in there. So yeah, there's there's definitely a way that you can hit. You're him. saying they should take story beats from the cartoon. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be really cool. I mean, it'd be like taking story beats from the droids cartoon for Star Wars. Yeah. Like, 
to see some of those characters come to life and be like, oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. uh, my number three is Dune. I watched okay. all the rest of it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah. Um, from more of a standpoint of like cinematography, it was a very, very, very pretty movie. Mm-hmm. Um, for being on a desolate desert planet, like it was, they did a really good job with these visuals. Everything was very stunning. Um, story was, you know, basically the same story. It followed through and suit is very cohesive with the book and with the original movie as well. Um, just adding a little bit more so here and there. Um, but I did enjoy it quite a bit. I'm definitely excited to see what comes next. Um, again, you know, like we talked about before, I hate that it's going to end up having a couple years of a duration period right. to wait for it. But I mean, still, it was pretty cool. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Gives me time to actually read the book, maybe, and yeah. then I can kind of go, oh, okay, that's what's good, what what is and isn't the same, yeah. and whatnot. And uh, it's really hard to dip into something that expects you to know this much history or maybe this much lore right off the bat, yeah. because they do a decent job uh, throughout the course of the movie explaining everything as it goes along. But it is a lot to kind of retain and understand. Sure Whereas, like at the beginning, you think of like going into a new hope you know blind and never knowing about it or knowing what's going on you don't necessarily know the names of all the planets maybe whenever you come off the cuff of everything because there's no book to kind of base it off of but you know going into it and everything things were a little bit easier to understand and easier to swallow they give you training rules a little bit yeah they start you off small yeah Get whereas you. this they was like we're following a book if you haven't read the book i'm sorry we're going to try and help you as we go along but Try to catch up real quick, please. There's ways to do that, though. Yeah. I mean, if you if you look at, and I know I compared this before, and I don't mean to come right back to this same comparison, but Lord of the Rings is one that has a giant history behind it. Yeah. But they did a great job in those movies of giving you the kind of funnel that they gave you a little bit, oh, yeah, and then like it got the more beginning more, of more, every more, single more. movie had like a 15 minute narration yeah. that led into everything. Too. Absolutely. Yeah. They gave you a good a good setting to yeah. kind of start you with, and and uh, that movie just didn't do that. Yeah. Um, in that same way. And 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 it's a way of storytelling. You know, there's nothing wrong with it per se. It just wasn't my favorite. If they did that for like a ten or fifteen minute intro and slapped it at the beginning, that was very like Lord of the Rings esque, you know, like nine rings to the yeah. land of men, you know, like they did that kind of storytelling. I mean, hell, that's what show Star Wars you. does at the beginning of every movie. Yeah. They give you a they scroll. Have a crawl. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I meant. Like if they did something like that with Dune, the this a little bit of story beat cohesive telling doesn't even have to be completely like filmed and shot. It could almost right. be animated or something if they wanted to like drawing animation, then just telling mm-hmm. you everything that would have been a little bit better, but for sure, I enjoyed it quite a for bit. Sure. My, my number three is Candyman. Candyman. Oh, so good. I am obsessed with Yaya Abdul-Mateen. The yeah. second, um, uh, Morpheus. Yes. Uh, <laughs> he, he is really good actor. And uh, and this that whole the 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 feeling of that movie. I love the fir- the original Candyman. Yeah. Um. And so this just kind of playing into it, tying it all together even more. And they did some visualizations that were kind of very remind me of the Three Brothers story in Harry Potter and Deathly Hollows. Like yeah. The, yeah, yeah, that yeah. kind of like shadowy yeah, kind of thing. They did some stuff like that that was just really visually interesting. Uh, just like that. Where and, does this fall suit in the? like a storyline purpose it's years later like it's okay however many years later it's of, not like a reboot it's almost just like it it it, it allows the original to exist yeah, um like but a not, soft reboot in a sense like halloween tried to do in 2018 a little bit 
Well, twenty eighteen is not a reboot as much as it is a you're picking up from one, right? Like that one's yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like it's this is years later, but I mean they were trying to reinvigorate the franchise, adding mm. in the new characters and such. I gotcha. This, I mean, this is is in line. Like the yeah. as one exists. I'm not as familiar with the sequels of Candyman to know how they play, but I think um, I've only ever seen the first one, honestly. Yeah. And uh, and so it it picks up with the knowledge of the original, but almost in a lore in a Bloody Mary. Bees? Yeah, uh, in a in a Bloody Mary almost kind of way where it's it's not even real anymore. It's this like mythology again uh kind of in the same way that it was at the beginning yeah um where it's been long enough it's been 20 years 30 years or whatever uh to end the you know even the the building that it happened in isn't that building anymore and so it, it's really cool how they do that and um who is that that's a jordan peele I think had some hands in it. I don't know um, if I'm not mistaken. And he just, he, anything he touches is really good when it comes to thriller, horror suspense. Yeah. Uh, he got that new movie coming out next year too, right? Nope. I think is what it's called. Oh yeah. Pretty sure. Yeah. My number two is Cruella. <gasps> Minus two. Is your number two? Yes, it is. Let's talk about it together. Then. All right, let's do it. We actually match numbers. We touch tips. And every once in a while we'll, we'll get We'll do that. We haven't um, done We haven't had anything on the same page. Not yet. yet. It's hard to with games. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we're going to start moving into probably closer and closer territory as yeah. we get further down the list. Yeah. Maybe. Music, maybe not music either. Maybe not music or comics. No. Um, maybe comics. I don't know. Mm. We'll see. Um, Cruella, though. Yeah. A really interesting way to tell a story. Yeah. Uh, I feel th- like everybody was very, very strong in this movie. Yeah. Including Mark Strong. Not groundbreaking in anything they really no. did, but. It's nice to see like the the approach of the villain from a different point of view and why they become a villain. Yeah. It doesn't make her any less of a villain. It just explains why right. that person's evil. Um, and I thought that was really cool. There was a, it was it had a good. Uh, I didn't know that the the rich lady was going to actually be her mom. Like yeah. there were some there were some twists and turns that I didn't see. Sure. Uh, in all of that, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I did too. I don't know why she's going to be necessarily wants to skin Dalmatian still. Yeah. Uh, that seems like a really there's going to be the sequel or whatever to it that will maybe get a little bit more light to that. Seems like a little bit of a jump. It does. Seeing <laughs> as how like the end of the movie, she gets one as like a gift even too. And she well, she she gifts two of them. Yeah. And uh, to to Roger and and uh, darling. No, that's the last name. Roger uh, darling yeah what's her name uh anita lily anita lily anita uh, darling anita well she's not darling yeah anita p the darling uh she's not they're not married yet but uh but yeah it gives those to them so she's already knows that she's gonna skin dogs because she's essentially gonna play matchmaker make these two dogs breed and then she's gonna mm. get puppies so that she can steal them love good breeding movie but i would I, I did enjoy it for sure my number one That's is why it's two. Oh yeah yeah my number one is the Matrix Resurrections. Really? Yep. Wow. Yeah. I put it up there. Tell me why. I'll tell you why. Um, I really enjoyed the meta beats to everything as it kind of went along that Lana, Lana, Lena, Lana. Have you said it? Mm-hmm. Uh, that she incorporated with everything leading into uh how everything kind of breaks out. Um. 
I wasn't I, I I wasn't necessarily excited or crazy about the the modal beat at the very beginning, like whenever he was making like the the model a uh, mock model of what happened in the first Matrix mm-hmm. movies. It was interesting and cool, but at the same time, I was just like, this is kind of a weird way to get Morpheus back. I understand that he's going to be a program. So did he at create this point in time? And that was that was part of a confusing thing to me. So he created the the modal is is like a. A, a a game kind of scenario where it just goes in a loop and it's just like uh like you just to kind of test out for like bugs and shit like that okay and he was working on the modal to get ideas for the new game they were working on that was not matrix four okay. at that point in time because they were working on another game at that at the beginning of the movie yes and we were led to believe that this modal that he developed and put Morpheus inside as a legit program in hiding under like a Smith mask, basically. Um, The reason why that happened was because we find out that he has broken, broke, tried to break out and it's happened like time and time again. Yeah. He's had a couple of instances where the analyst would basically put him back under kind of. Yeah. And, make him think that everything was just another episode right of psychosis Mm -hmm. and so he developed this modal not knowing what was going on we were unaware it's like a little bit of ai a little bit where he's watching it develop because it can kind of think and work out its own scenarios is that kind of what yeah the mode that part was the probably the most confusing was like yeah I think the idea of the modal was that it changes and can change over time. Instances that are inside this infinite loop can change. And he was watching to see what the AI would do differently from a video game creation standpoint to see different actions that could happen. Okay. Because as a if you're a video game developer, you do this as well. You know, you have different instances of fights that may happen we'll say like in halo for example mm. you have a 30 second fight that happens that's a firefight and you're playing the game a specific way but the ai is going to react differently based on what you do you're not going to go into that firefight doing the exact same thing right. using the exact same weapons every single time yeah. so it's like this thing is on an infinite loop and he's trying to see what the ai would change and do I and see. develop as but this modal in particular that he's been watching hasn't really changed any until bugs got into it yeah um, as in bunny yes and then uh but yeah i mean I, the modal thing i thought that was it was a cool concept and everything uh, i didn't know like that's where we were going with like that's this is how morpheus is coming back he's basically just a program mm-hmm. uh, artificial intelligence that could be ripped out of the modal and then brought into the real world with those little whatever the bead things right. are yeah um but I really, like I said, I, I enjoyed uh, the storytelling. I really enjoyed everything about that. I, I liked uh, the development of the characters, seeing them try to come to grips with that. It isn't a reality again. Um, I liked the pseudo storytelling of uh, going back to the Matrix, Warner Brothers as a parent company, uh, right. you know, wanting them to make this and that they didn't really. What's have that the game concept. company? Uh, that was a game company that was real. Uh, I can't think of it off the note. Uh, 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 Deus uh, Machina, and is and that is a real. Is that no, a real there, game? there's there's a video game called Deus Ex. Ah, okay. Deus Ex Machina, as it's called, but the Deus Ex or Deus Machina is just a Latin saying. I see. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I thought it was really cool, cohesive way to kind of tell a story and to kind of tie all of these things together. Probably how she felt about 
maybe the story writing because I've recently read an article uh, earlier today even that said that they had plans of moving forward with the next Matrix movie with or without Lana Wachowski. I see. So they were going to move forward with it. And part of me was just like, I wonder if she knew this going into everything in the first place. And that's kind of why the story ended up being written the way it was written. Could be. To be like, you know, you know, our brother company, Warner Brothers and all this kind of shit nudging and everything like that. I thought that was kind of interesting. They just did all of that. Um, The Morpheus stuff we already talked about, the Neo and Trinity uh, connection, I thought was uh, fairly interesting. some of that stuff, story-wise, um, it kind of fell a little flat for me, only because I didn't understand there was points in time where he was still doing things in in Revelations with Trinity being dead at that point in time. Mm-hmm. We knew that she was dead at that point in time, and he still had the abilities and the power of the One, and he was by himself, whereas they're kind of saying in this... He recognized the animus recognized looking at like the coding that they they were the one together. They are the one basically. And that, you know, separately, they're not the same thing. They might have the ability to fight, have powers, you know, to a certain extent, but but they can't a power fly. They can't bit. do that. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's a full like power of two you know, scenario. But part of that didn't kind of line up because it was like, well, I mean at the end of the third movie, she was dead for a good chunk of that, you know, ending bits of everything where he's fighting Smith in the world. Mm-hmm. And that didn't change anything really. Yeah. So I, I don't really know why that was the direction they went with, but I thought it was really cool. I enjoyed the, the, uh, the story, uh, the story beats and knowing that like the Sentinels are semi-friendly with them. Now they yeah. have, we have friendly Sentinels on board ships. Right. Even. Um, I thought that was kind of a cool concept. Uh, um, plus, it's also one of those scenarios too. To me, like you were just explaining, and a la like Marvel and Star Wars, anything that's more yeah, of that, absolutely, I eat that shit up and I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always been that way with the Matrix. I always, you know, have wanted to consume as much of it as I possibly could, and I've yeah. been through a very large stint where there's been nothing. Yeah, and to see it come back to life and have these characters come back around. Um, you know, even seeing like uh, Niobe again and shit like that mm-hmm. as like old woman Jada Pinkett Smith, and I was just like, "This is cool shit." Yeah, I just thought it was really cool and charming, an interesting way to kind of wrap up a story. I don't know if they have plans of trying to move forward with yeah, it. I don't know. I, I as far as I knew, either. like because I think it almost made it seem like in the article that I was writing, they said Warner Brothers had the idea to just move forward regardless. Mm-hmm it made it almost seem like Lana was kind of like, I mean, we told the cohesive story as is, you know, Neo's dead. Trinity's dead. We don't need to try and do a resurrection storyline for them. So that way we can make these two characters have a happy ending because yeah. that's basically what they did. Um, but and she got it, went ahead along with it. But I don't know if that means that they're going to try and tell anything else with it or not. I mean, the end of it, we still have the mirror of NG being alive. Smith is still alive, mm-hmm. you know, out there somewhere doing whatever is this version of him. The analyst is still alive, but just had an ultimatum. It's just like, we're going to make the matrix the way we want to. So uh, don't stand in our way or else we'll fucking destroy you. Yeah. You know, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So maybe he's scared about it or whatever, but I mean, there's still all of these villains alive. Basically yeah. nobody really died this time around. Yeah. But I enjoyed it quite Leaves a bit. Leaves it open for yeah. sure. My number one is a quiet place. Part two. Cool. Uh, they did it again. Krasinski, John, he, uh, he took another bite at the apple and, uh, nailed it. I mean, 
the the world that he created and uh, the way that they build suspense in those movies is perfect. I mean, the the having to be quiet and just as a movie where you have to watch it in that way and the the way that you have to score that and cancel out sound and you have the daughter who is deaf and uh you know every part every aspect and element of of that movie and it's and the first one uh is just cool and you kind of live on the edge with that and uh so i i enjoyed that and it's got your your fella and your boy uh your murphy boy clean yeah he's in there so uh it's, it's good it's a good time number one yeah my honorable mentions were uh mortal Kombat, luca and malignant ah um as far as i was concerned i could have probably swapped out kills with mortal Kombat or luca i, still I enjoyed both finished of mortal those Kombat. um they're both pretty good pretty or luca. Charming i, I well. haven't watched luca but i started mortal Kombat. i still yeah. just haven't come back around honorable mentions for me are palmer the uh apple Rosie. apple plus uh uh movie that came out with justin timberlake yeah it was a really good movie uh paranormal activity next of kin which was on set like on an amish kind of thing and probably one of the best paranormal activity movies they've come out with in a long time like what a, is that on was it on a, that's on paramount it's on paramount yeah i was wanting to watch it but i don't have i unsubscribed from paramount when we were in this oh comic gap area of comic yeah gap, so that for way sure. I wouldn't have to pay for it for like a month and a half or two months. The Suicide Squad. I enjoyed yeah. that. Uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League was this year and was a chunk of a movie. And just for I, it almost made the top five because of its historical purpose, I think, in comic book movies of what it's going to really uh, signify for yeah. us. But uh, I, I couldn't really couldn't really stomach putting it there. And then uh, Clerk, the Kevin Smith documentary that I went and saw uh, live with Kevin Smith. Uh was it was definitely up there for me very nice going into music got some music says music sir my number five uh back at it again uh sloth rust they have a new album out parallel timeline uh their genre of music is kind of difficult to pinpoint these guys we've seen live and i've talked about them before we last time me and mandy had seen highly suspect they were the band that opened for them um and we enjoyed their music quite a bit. Uh, they have kind of been like redefining themselves every single time an album comes out. There's nothing that's really super cohesive with, you know, going from one album to the next. And this one's no different. This one has a more laid back kind of chilled alt rock vibe. Um, some of the guitar riffs that the lead uh, guitarist play, play are very like almost kind of like sexy bluesy riffs she really knows how to like shred and shit too um but yeah they they're all very talented i really like it quite a bit nice my number five is billy eilish's happier than ever uh the there were a lot of songs that came out over the last like year and a half that were like i think by the time the album came out there was like five singles that had been produced from this uh but even just for the the uh, titular track happier than ever uh would would earn this for me all on its own because the second half of it's just killer it's really like this it starts off as this like a little acoustic kind of thing and then goes into this really rock heavy uh kind of half of it that's just kind of got some aggression to it and uh is really good i I enjoyed 
the the roller coaster of of this album. I do enjoy it. This is an album that I actually enjoyed chunked up into its individual songs rather than listening to it from front to back. Oh, that's I'm cool. sure it's because it had so many individual songs that were singles and yeah, shit yeah. that came out to it. But yeah. My number four is uh, Death From Above 1979. Their new album is For Lovers came out. Um, it to me it almost sounds like this could just be a straight up B-side of uh, the whole last album that had come out. Um, it seems very much more so of the same. They hit kind of a beat. They were back on the radio with a couple of singles that had come out from that last album. And I think they were just like, people love it. We love writing this kind of music. Let's just give them more of the same. Um, kind of touches some of the same tones like the sophomore album did, but I think this is the fifth album now. But this is uh, this is very well written. I, I don't really have anything bad I can say about it. Um I would say very similar to what you had just said about the Billie Eilish. I could probably listen to this segmented and not front to back um, and be okay with that. Um, There are a couple albums that have come out this year that are clear front to backers for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this wasn't one of them, but it was very well-rounded. It's, it's, uh, it was, it was pretty good. I I don't know if I enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed the last one though. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, Number four for me is Limp Biscuits still sucks. Yeah. It was uh we I blew it up quite a bit earlier uh when it came out just a month or so ago uh on October 31st. Ooh. Uh but it was it's a spooky day. Solid front to back album. There were a couple of songs that I I do skip uh that are more like go straight to like a rap vibe to it. Mm-hmm. I I like the more full on the rock rap songs yeah. or or more of my my jam. Uh, with them but I, the only thing I have to say is I hope that it isn't like 10 years before they come out with another album again and we get to see more Limp Bizkit sooner yeah I would say that now that seeing that they've come back into the foray over the past several months even leading up to the album coming out yeah. I don't see them really backing down yeah. I would say they probably keep going after but they did that with Gold Cobra too I mean there was a exactly. big chunk between Results May Vary and Gold Cobra and uh, when that came out I think the I'm hoping that there's a better reception with Still Sucks because I think the reception with Gold Cobra was poor. It's very lackluster. Not a lot of people talked about it. I think, like I said, this this time around with all of the very theatrical stage performance stuff that he kind of has kind of going out there with it and everything that there are people that will remember this more. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely more memorable. I could see them going like two or three years and bringing out an album as opposed to like six or seven. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, my number three was Between the Buried and Me Colors 2. What? Between the Buried and Me Colors 2. This happened? This happened. I didn't know about this. Great album. Uh, Full-on actual spiritual successor to the Colors album. Okay. Um, wow. Kind of trying to pick up where it left off, telling more of that story that he had written. Um, and it is great. It is more of the same that they've been going on because there's a lot more things that they're trying to reinvent themselves with and make more of the... Music sound kind of avant-garde and not just straight up, you know, progressive metal like they had been writing yeah. from Colors to Misdirect and mm-hmm. Parallax even, you know what I mean? But the last few albums like Coma Epileptic, uh, Epilet- Ecleptic, and what was the last one? The very last one before that? I don't know. Anyway, I those, fall off, I've fallen off the wagon. Those last two, um, this kind of falls suit into that. It seems like they're trying to carve out a new, new niche for the metal genre because you know at that point in time like 2007 when colors came out they were like trying to and were successful in like redefining 
certain aspects of that genre of music. Yeah. And now it's like they're trying to find a new niche to so make is it, it more of so. that, like more of like a lot of genre bending and dipping into different kind yeah. of things, a lot of that yeah. kind of thing. Cool. But you still have very similar flavors in a lot of aspects, especially like breakdown wise and stuff that is very, very reminiscent of colors. And they did that intentionally to try and make yeah. it feel like this is a full sequel. There are even tracks of some beats and stuff that they bring back for riffs and stuff mm. that were like kind of that's a call cohesively back. called yeah. back to you know something that was from track four from colors or I something see. like that that they try and be like oh shit they actually brought that back good you know kind of a thing okay and i'll it, have to check that out very well written i enjoyed it quite a bit that's exciting uh number three for me is halsey's if i can't have love i want power Ooh. um which you said are you gonna like are we gonna spend a bunch of time talking about halsey's new album no, i was just uh, <laughs> uh I, I mean, figured it would be on there but i was joking heck yeah number three uh for me which means that there are two above that because uh, that's how numbers work. Uh, but no, this is <laughs> number the, one is Halsey's second <laughs> surprise album that she released. This was the uh, was the the uh, what do you call that when you work with somebody? Collaboration. Uh, it's a collaboration <laughs> with Nine Inch Nails with Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, not Nine Inch Nails. Uh, and uh, with the movie composing duo. That yes, is. that's right. Yeah. More of that, <laughs> less for the other. Uh, and it it sounds good. It is. a It's a good album front to back. I bet um, I bet those guys help produce quite a bit. Yeah, like very, I mean, bring a lot to the table. That yeah, way. it definitely has a has that same kind of industrial rock kind of vibe to a a pop, and she's kind of a dark pop already. Yeah. And and so when you throw in that industrial rock to it, kind of feeling, and just you're right, their their soundtrack composing kind of methods that they take, that whole feeling is just. Uh, it has a vibe, and there's a movie along that goes along with it that wasn't on my top five or in my honorable mentions, but it's on HBO Max and I cool. think available for sale as well. But it's a really cool visual interpretation of the music as well. Yeah. Speaking of movie adaptations, uh, my number two album is Bo Burnham's Inside the Songs. Um, so this is the songs that were pulled from the stand-up special that he had that was inside that came out in March, I think, or whatever. And it was all uh, his project that he did whenever he put himself in self-isolation for roughly right around like a full year. Mm -hmm. um, had the project collaborated with Netflix. It is a weird, messed up emotional journey of diving into Bo's depression and anxieties and just you know, voicing a lot of things that people probably had in their minds already kind of going through everything that was going on, just being scared in general and putting that out into song and trying to make a little bit of light of uh, some of the darkness with a little touch of comedy to it. So it was like one of the best comedy specials that I've ever seen. And I guess technically it's a movie, but I wanted to put it, I would have probably put it at my number one in movies if that was the case, because it was very well done. Nice. But I digress because it was just like, it's a comedy special. I don't really feel like it needs to belong up there. It's different. It's not really a movie movie kind of a thing. I would have allowed it. I, I, I'm sure you would have. I, I allowed everything that happened with the games. And, <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, yeah, it's it, it's it's very well done. It is a super like watching through that whenever it launched, it was a I'm crying a little bit, you know, teary eyed mm -hmm. one minute and then you're laughing your ass off the next minute. Super emotional roller coaster of a comedy special. And it's really well done. And having the songs actually just be put yeah. out there because he said he wasn't going to do it initially. He just wanted it to be kept to itself on Netflix. 
Um, but then he ended up releasing it eventually. I guess there was just enough demand and he was just like, all right, all right. And then put it out there for everybody. Very cool. Yeah. My number two is uh, This Wild Life's Ever Blossom. I had to look at what it was called. I couldn't remember what it was. You're good. Uh, this Wild Life uh, had an option when they were working on this album. Their record label had said, hey, we want you to do this other thing. And they were due up on their contract. So they decided to not do this other thing that the record label wanted. And they decided to self-produce and do all self-fund this album instead. And uh, what we got was this really cool evolution of the of the band. Because they're an acoustic duo. And they've always been mostly that. But they're yeah. both drummers, naturally, originally. They they both were, were drummers in like pop-punk bands. Uh, and so they uh they have always thrown a couple of songs in their albums that have percussion uh but this album has a lot more a lot more layers to it you can tell that they had a lot more creative freedom to be who they wanted to be and uh i think it worked out pretty well for them and uh so this is this is probably i'd have to say their first album uh which is called clouded is my favorite and then this is my second favorite and this is their fourth or fifth album um, so they really outdid themselves mm-hmm. uh, this go around. And I recommend it if you like kind of uh, emo acoustic pop punky kind of stuff. I like that stuff. Yeah. Uh, my number one is Halsey. I'm joking. Uh, my number one wild. <laughs> my number one is Turnstile Glow On, the okay. full album release of their their stuff. Um, these guys to me came out of nowhere because they've been around since like 2013, never heard of them before. Just a underground indie band type of a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, very aggressive, almost borderline punk a lot of times. Um, but as their albums have progressed, they almost have like a synth wave type of punk aesthetic to their music. And this album is kind of like no exception of that. It touches on all of those beats and front to back. This album is really, really well done, really well written. And uh, if I could pinpoint something that has like a layer of angst to it, it's like if you took a really good, like quick punk band and you mixed it with like at the drive in and Beastie Boys, Mm. that's the kind of like vibe you really get from it. It's it's a really weird mishmash of music, but it comes together so well and it sounds awesome. I love it to death. I, uh, my number one, and I kind of based, I cheated a little bit this year. Shit. Um, I did my, my like year in review from YouTube music. Yeah. Like the same thing as everybody has on their Spotify and all that jazz. Um, and I was like, it, it made me make decisions different than what I thought I would because it was like, well, you listen to this this many times. I was like, oh, shit. I guess I got to consider that a little higher because I originally wasn't going to put this album anywhere. It was going to be on the top five, but it wasn't going to be anywhere close. But by the number of times I listened to 21 Pilots Scaled and Icy, yeah. I had to put this in number one because it was like, well, I guess it was my favorite album because I listened to it about 10 times more than I did any other album that came out this year. Yeah. Um, but it was good. I, I mean, it was it was a solid album. You you always wonder what is what are 21 Pilots going to do next? And, yeah. and you kind of see how they do a little bit something different. They don't mm-hmm. always do the exact same, but they have callbacks and they have, you know, their standards that you're like, oh, so they're probably going to do some sort of breakdown where they're going to rap in like a really low voice kind of thing. And you got, they got like all these tricks. There might be one that has a ukulele in it. Um, and I like all of that. Yeah. I, li- I like those pieces. 
Um, and I want this continued, especially once I got to know a little bit more about the story makes you want to know more about the story they're creating, um, and how it all plays together. And so this, this one is just adds more to that tale that they're kind of spinning, uh, throughout in whatever way they are. And, uh, it would be nice at some point to get a cohesive kind of logic behind it from them themselves and not these speculative people. Uh, but I do enjoy uh, the visual mediums that they put out their little concert they did this year. It yeah. was really neat. And uh, I think since then you can check out most of it on YouTube, they've chopped up some of it in the music videos uh, and stuff like that. But this is definitely was something that I was like, Oh, well shit, I guess I had, I guess I did like that a lot. Uh, yeah. And, and every time one of the songs kind of shows up in my, in my like, Here's a mix for you. I I never I ever hit next. Never hit next on it. I always enjoy it. What are your honorable mentions? Uh, my honorable mentions would be uh, that album, Twenty One Pilots, Scaled and Icy. Um, I enjoyed it quite a bit, but not enough to want to put it in my top five. Um, that might be like one of the first times that I would ever say that, though. It's not that I didn't completely disenjoy the album. It just right. was not the strongest album that they've put out to mm-hmm. me. Uh, personally, I also put uh, Silk Sonics and Evening with Silk Sonic oh, yeah. on there. Uh, Nothing but Thieves released an EP for Moral Panic two, and then also went and made a Moral Panic the Complete Edition, which uh, that was the album that had launched last year. Mm. And this basically is like six songs, I think, that was on the EP that did not. They were basically their B sides, and then they just made it into made one massive or album. Whatever. Um, and then uh, Japanese Breakfast, really cool new indie band that I really like. Uh, they had an album come out this year called Jubilee. And then I put uh, Foo Fighters Medicine at Midnight on there, yeah, too. absolutely. Uh, mine would be, of course, the Can't Get Rights Light the Fuse. Oh, shit. Yeah, Can't Get Rights on the Fuse. And- <laughs> uh, Botch Manifold's Dead End 15th Anniversary Edition. Oh, that makes check it. it out. Yeah. Uh, and then outside of things to plug that we we've, we've been part of, uh, Olivia Rodrigo had her album mm-hmm. Sour came out this year. Neon Trees did a little EP called Versions of You uh, that had three uh, kind of new versions of older songs plus a new song that was really cool. It's kind of acoustic kind of vibe to them. Uh, Foo Fighters, Medicine of Midnight, obviously. Silk Sonic, like you said. Uh, Mayday Parade had a new album called What It Means to Fall Apart that I've really enjoyed. Uh, Metallica celebrated the 30th anniversary of the Black Album. And with that, they put out this crazy like 50 song thing called the blacklist mm-hmm. uh which is a bunch of different artists that did covers of songs that were on the black album yeah. um that's been in my rotation pretty co- consistently throughout the year um hobo johnson's the revenge of hobo johnson uh and reverend payton's big damn bands dance songs for hard times uh was a really cool song uh, a couple of singles that came out also just to keep in mind uh we've had two coheed and cambria single shoulders and then rise Nyanasha, I'm gonna say that's how you say it. Uh, Travi McCoy's got a couple of new songs, Love Me Back to Life and Spoonsful of Cinnamon. So, hopefully, we get new albums from both of them in 22. Yeah. Um, and then Wonder Years had a new single called Threadbare. Yeah. I was gonna, I didn't want to mention the Coheed stuff just because it, it, it was just the songs by themselves, but I yeah, never know when the album's yeah. gonna actually release. So, it's like, what if it didn't come out in 22? Yeah. Uh, so we're here at the end. Comics on them comics, boy, dim comics books. My number five is uh i I've, i'm caught back up with oblivion song mm. finished her out there and it's been is extra, it done, extra done? good it's no not, not yet so uh, going it's, it's i think it's starting to get close to wrapping up though. it's on the downward slope yeah. you think 
but I've read volume five and then the other issues that uh, had come out since then individually to be caught up. And uh, it's real good still. I'm enjoying it quite a bit. The story just keeps taking weird turns, especially by the end of like each volume. Once they know that like this is going to be a trade kind of a thing and it comes out, they're really good at like pinpointing like this is going to be a sharp fucking turn. Nice. You don't expect something to happen. And then it takes a really weird right turn. And then you're just like, oh, shit, what the fuck now? Nice. And it's really cool. And it's really well written that way. So I've been enjoying it quite a bit. Cool. I got into this year uh, more more than normal uh, miniseries, like just like a lot of five issuers yep. and stuff like that. And Bunny Mask is my number five. Uh, this came from, I think, Aftershock Publishing. And uh, Paul Tobin is the writer who I've enjoyed on a couple of horror things. He writes a lot of horror. And uh, this is kind of a story of this creature slash spirit or whatever that lives in these caverns underneath this house uh, called Bunny Mask. And she wears like a, a, a bunny mask. They're like and Fraggles? Similar to Fraggles. <laughs> But a little scary. Uh, no, there's this guy, this older gentleman who is uh, like freckles. He, yeah, absolutely. It's like you're right. I think I'm wrong about this. So imagine the old man from Fraggles, uh, but instead of like just running a what do you run like a a pocket watch shop, a, a watch yeah, repair, just like a or like shop a type of a thing? Like, yeah, I think he did all kinds of different shop. stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, sprocket his dog. Yes. Yeah. That's why I was thinking it was probably like a watch or a clock type thing because of sprocket. Uh, and so imagine him, but instead of tinkering, he captures people and kills them oh, or no. keeps them down in this cavern that's underneath <laughs> this house. Um, and so checks out. I yeah. Bet, I bet he does that though. <laughs> the fraggles just eat so, him. So, yes. So take the guy. But he takes the people and he shoves them in that hole in his little shop. Yeah. And he feeds them to the Fraggles. But the Fraggles are like, let's party and have a dance. And uh, instead, in this scenario, there's a a lady spirit thing that's called Bunny Mask. Yeah. And uh, she ends up seeking out these this this guy. So this guy gets captured and he gets put down here and then they get rescued. And it's him and this little girl. And they end up growing up and they kind of flash forward and he starts having these visions and starts hearing things. And it's essentially these visions to take out these people or these people are bad. And you start hearing thoughts of all these horrible people. And uh, it's just a really interesting kind of horror story. And there's a lot of death and gore and and uh, a little supernatural action going on. Um, but I thought it was really awesome. And I think they're coming out with a second storyline next year or this year 2022 that's my number five my number four is uh i guess the story thus far in star wars the high republic Mm. um because it started in january i believe is whenever the first uh issue came out and uh we're still going yeah uh i've enjoyed every little bit of it so far issue 15 is evidently the end of phase one okay uh and i believe that comes out in february if i'm not mistaken cool um, but yeah, yeah, we're still pushing strong with it. I've enjoyed everything that's come out thus far. Um, it's been a really cool ride to see these different interesting sides of uh, the past that never really experienced before. And mm-hmm. especially knowing that it's more canonical now that it's it's really cool seeing stuff that yeah. may eventually see the light of day outside of just a comic. 
it is it is interesting when you go from like a, a dark horse having the property for so long and even marvel before that nothing was ever really promised to be part of the real story and, yeah and when marvel had it prior to nobody even gave it they didn't care yeah you know but when dark horse had it it was like oh this is so cool we're doing this storyline and this storyline and you've got the knights of the old and you got this and whatever and then they're like eh, that's not real and yeah. even lucas films didn't didn't recognize that prior to the acquisition of of now that being said though all of that shit there's a lot of there's a lot to be loved in Absolutely. all of that stuff that is not technically canon right. anymore but they are really really good and stories and very well told but and, it, uh but, it does make it special to know that this does yeah actually this fit yeah it counts <laughs> yeah it does make it different and whether that different is necessarily yeah. good or bad everything you see coming out of marvel supposedly counts yeah. now like it, you read it and it matters like maybe some even if it's not high republic story oriented that might be something yeah. that they say just as like one side off away. like a little yeah. line as a throwaway in book of boba that you're just like oh shit they talked about the starlight beacon just yes. then you know like from like 400 Absolutely. years ago they just tossed it aside as yes. just like a joke or something and you're just like oh my god they mentioned the mm-hmm. thing i've been reading yes absolutely and i, I feel the same way uh about, about um oh shit i just lost it oh god it went away as fast as it boba starlight beacon words <laughs> <laughs> no uh you're talking about you feel the same way about your number four Yes, sure. No, I don't know what I was going to say. Let's just ignore that. Uh, my number four is uh, a mini series uh, by Scotty Young and Jorge Molina. I think that's oh, not right. Maybe it is. Are those baseball players? <laughs> Could be. We opened them from the pack just a few episodes ago. <laughs> they do sound like that. I, I might be messing up Jorge's last name. Uh, but the Me You Love in the Dark is the name of the series. It's a five issue. A uh, really neat story about a an artist that is looking for kind of a getaway house. And uh, so she uh, rents out this haunted house to paint in and, and sets up a studio and everything. This one's like and, the lake house. And what's the lake house? The movie with Keanu Reeves. Like with Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock? <laughs> no, not quite. Uh, but uh, she does <laughs> develop this like relationship with the spirit um and it's and it's not like a but it's not a pretty spirit it's not like keanu reeves it's not gonna, really. is this another rabbit <laughs> yes it's more like a bunny lady uh, <laughs> uh but yeah that one's really cool and the art's just great i love that yeah. that's the same artist who uh did middle west uh which was kind of a uh, uh with with scotty young which was kind of like a, a a take on wizard of oz a little bit oh cool um so yeah i really enjoyed this one uh my number three is i'm going to kind of inc- encapsulate it into a saga in general uh as we had talked about before i started reading the uh the current runs of the dragon ball super manga Mm. um so they are now through past all of the stuff that's actually aired on television they have now gone to uh through two more arcs they're in the middle of the second one right now wrapping it up rather um one is called the galactic patrol prisoner arc um, and then they're right now currently in the granola, sur- the survivor arc. Oh, I love granola. Yeah, he's really cool. Um, and uh, it, it's been really cool. I've never had a chance to read a lot of manga before in general. I mean, I've always just been a huge anime fan, but had since gone back and I've read a lot of Attack on Titan. Mm-hmm. Um, and now every single time it hits the 20th of the month, I'm like, the issues out for dragon ball. I've got to read it. You know, it's been happening. Like it happens like clockwork every single 20th, a new issue comes out. 
And uh, it's been super great to read. Um, it gives me more of what I wanted uh, from that storyline because they it, it ends on the arc that they ended with the animated series. It ends very cohesively where they could just be like, yeah, we're done. But um, knowing that it has even more, you know, further reaches that they're kind of stretching out with that is, you know, full on canon. This is the same storyline that all the other stuff came from. They ripped all of what would be the anime straight from the manga. It mm. reads like word for word almost basically. Um, and uh, knowing that that's there and they've they've hinted that they might be potentially trying to come back to add more to Super uh, down the road makes me really excited especially knowing that, you know, I'm, I'm ahead of the curve on yeah. a lot of the story beats and stuff that are coming out with it, but I've really been enjoying that a lot. Cool. My number three is a, a series that was a mini, but now is an ongoing called Basilisk and Basilisk. Basilisk. And it's a, a story about these five people who all wear bunny masks. No, uh, shit. <laughs> no, what is going on? <laughs> these five people that kind of escape from this asylum of sorts, and they come down and they all have these powers that are the senses like they have a either a, a vision a vision thing <laughs> or yeah and uh and so our our main character has like can is almost cyclopsy she can shoot like lasers out of her eyes um and th- she has decided to go against the other four and the other four are want destruction they want they want to tear some shit up and she's like our hero and she's the other our four hero turned into villains. In yes. Way. And cool. she's split ways with it. And uh, it's been a really good story. I love the artwork in it. Cullen Bunn is the one writing, um, which Cullen's got like 400 books out at any yeah. given time. Um, but this is one of the good ones. I find that for every good book Cullen has, there's a book that is kind of not for me. Not that it's bad, but it's just not for me. Yeah. Um, he was at the SI, uh, the Saluki con uh, a couple of years back. And uh Signed my uh, book that he uh, co-wrote with Brian Quinn and and Walt Flanagan. Uh, Metro, yeah, Metro, yep, yep. Uh, and so he's been somebody I've like, oh, like this guy seems all right. Like he's now from Springfield, more, Missouri. More knowing more of a history of his books and having read different franchises that he's come out with, I would definitely want to meet him because yeah. he's. I, I'm a, I'm definitely a fan. He's for laid sure. back. He's just a laid back dude. Cool. Not really, not really, just kind of chilling. <laughs> But that's my number three. And like I said, it's continued as an ongoing. I think issue six is out next month. Uh, my number two is done. And we just talked about it the last time we were together, uh, which is Sweet Tooth, The Return. Oh, yeah. Series wrapped this year. Um, closer to the beginning of the year, right? Yeah. Like February so. or March or something like that. Or April was the last issue, I believe, if I'm thinking right. But um, loved everything about it. Loved how it ended up and wrapped up. And like yeah, we, we talked just about, talk about, you know, just kind of like. Everything was very cycled, mm-hmm. you know, like how it's just going to seem like just it's on continue. a loop. Yep. Um, so we don't know if there will be more in the Sweet Tooth world or if this is kind of how he is wrapping it up, how it's just like a big cycle or if this is it or truly or what. But I guess it'll just depend on how the right I would I would be more likely to say that Jeff Lemire is going to it's going to determine based on how much of control he has when DC folds and sells to the mouse. Yeah. Uh, because the comics industry, the big two comic book industry, the Marvel DC is not really, you think DC will fold? I mean, it's possible. It's, it's definitely possible if they don't, does that mean all the stuff would leave HBO? I mean, I guess it depends. It depends on yeah. all the, I mean, cause those are all 
separate companies under the the big umbrella. Yeah. So it's like, well, what what would actually happen with it? Because DC TV doesn't mean anything to DC Comics. I'm talking about the comic book side of it, the business. Yeah, yeah. On that side, I understood so, that. I meant just in general. I didn't know if like maybe any of that other stuff would try to come with it over. I just don't know. I mean, it just depends on if the whole bucket of Warner Brothers itself sells. Because yeah. if the whole bucket sells, then who knows what the hell would happen? You might have been having Warner Brothers and like Marvel and anything Disney oriented all under Disney. all under one umbrella. <laughs> it, yeah. It, I don't be fucking nuts. I think they would be smart to kind of keep those those as separate yeah, buckets probably. and kind of keep your HBO Max as its own standalone. But uh yeah, I I think it would really be, I don't know how the rights go because if they don't want to publish any more Sweet Tooth, can he go anywhere else or is cuz Sweet Tooth is a is a DC property. property now, yeah. Um I mean it has been since its creation. It was a Vertigo title. Vertigo had you know, back in the day had rules as far as you got partial ownership of it, but you don't see Neil Gaiman able to write any Sandman books outside of the the DC umbrella. So, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know that they can go anywhere else. I think you get ownership rights as in you get money for them whenever they develop property. Like royalty stuff almost. Yeah, but sense. I don't know if, because, you know, if I write a Spider-Man story, I don't get anything for it except for what they paid me to write it. Even if they turned it into you wrote a, a movie. Spider-Man story, you know me. Did it have bunnies in it? I get around, <laughs> but uh, I I would absolutely be down for more Sweet Tooth or even an offshoot. Give me uh, uh, you know, it's something about the Big Man prior to like give Ooh. me a, a prequel big, big Man story. Big Man prequel. Big Man about him playing hockey. Yes. <laughs> or was it football or hockey? It was, it was football it was in the TV yeah. show. Yeah. Uh, hockey in the in the, the comics. That's yeah, what I thought. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my number one is Lock and Key slash Sandman, but, Hell and Gone. But I didn't do my number two. Oh, did you not? No. I thought that was your two. Oh, we talked about Sweet Tooth for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's also Lock and Key, Hell and Gone, though. So. Is your number one? It's my number two. That's your number two? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. we can talk about so it the same time about, stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And then you can talk about your one more. It works out. Uh, You like it? More Lock and Key. Yeah. I, I didn't. It's, it's, it falls under suit with more Lock and Key than it does anything Sandman, yes. borrowing through Agreed. the property and characters from the Sandman, but it was definitely an enjoyable, enjoyable time seeing both of those worlds yes. collide. Yeah. Like everything that coalesced with it, her making another key to hell, you yes. know, of all things. Yeah. I could thought it was just all really well thought out and done. Yes. I thought that if they, this was the like, I don't, it just was anticlimactic as to how much the crossover really existed. Yeah. You know, um, if it would, if it would have been way more worth it, even if it could have stomached to be a five or six issuer. Yes. Um, or don't necessarily tell me it's a Sandman crossover. Just tell me the story. Yeah. Like I didn't need it blown up the way that they did. I, it was a, it was a desperate reach to make the Sandman universe uh, imprint work. Cause they were really like, everything was floundering. They were stopping the dreaming series. They were stopping the Lucifer series. You know, they had these four books that were all going that they just didn't really kick off with. Um, they had a Constantine book and then they were like, and we're going to do a lock and key crossover. And then it was like, then you found out it was a two issue and it's like, well, that's yeah. Underwhelming uh, to it all. And I think it was just a, an attempt to make DC closed off vertigo. And then they tried to try to make vertigo work under the DC umbrella without calling it vertigo. And it just didn't. Yeah. It just wasn't a good idea. 
And uh, so, well, and I'm sure we'll see more later on. Yeah. You know, this isn't the end of hopefully, Sandman, and it's definitely not the end of Lock and Key. Hopefully, there's not another pandemic that holds up a lot more <laughs> shit in between things. Yeah. I mean, so, this was dying before that. Oh, I understand this that. I'm just saying, like, that held up things to keep pushing back, like, ink work and different things yes. that were going on behind yeah. the scenes that just kept getting more and more held up. Yeah. I mean, you would think that it's you would be able to produce more because you're just sitting at home. You don't have anything else to do. You would think, but, uh, the, I mean, the good news is, is lock and key is nowhere close to being done. Right. I mean, if you look at Joe Hill's plan or at least what's posted on the Wikipedia page, there's like volumes of key wars that we're going to be going through, uh, which is super exciting. It's just, when is that going to happen? Cause Joe Hill seems like he's a pretty busy guy now. Yeah. Dabbling in a lot Not of that. He wasn't things. before. I'm just saying it yeah. seems like more. So now there's a yeah. lot more, you know, irons in the fire with not just the TV show, but other books that he's working yeah. on apart from just the comics and shit yeah. now. And yeah. yeah, so so we'll see when that happens. But um, I'm excited to see because I've got the first four volumes in hardback. I need to get the other two. And then Golden Days, I think, is what they're calling this one that has the the Sandman crossover along with the Zero. Impale Battalions Go and uh, and a handful of other things that'll be in there. Um, that are all old stories, like stories of the crossover from yeah. the early family. Um, that'll all kind of come together, and I'm interested to read that as a collection to see like how that all flows. Because I love, I really started. They wrote those the that younger family really well, or the the when I say younger family, the earlier family. Yeah, to where like the ones from like World War One. I. I didn't feel like I was playing lots. catch up. I yeah. mean, names a little bit. But other than that, you're like, oh, I get it. They've got the you know, these are mom like, and the dad. Are these these the first locks to be in Lovecraft? Uh, I think so. Like this is the initial like first family at that house. I'm I might be wrong about it. I maybe there's one more family prior to like maybe their parents. They're the ones that inherited it. Yeah, but maybe I can't not. remember. I, I don't remember either. Huh. Uh, and my number one is Stray Dogs. Stray dogs, stray dogs, uh, which was uh, dog stories. This one got this one got everybody kind of talking. This was a a secret kind of book that just kind of like came out of nowhere from Image that was just like, oh, here's this story that looks like Disney, but it's a horror story. Yeah. And uh, and then all of a sudden it was blowing up and you can't get a number one for under 100 bucks or whatever. Uh, I've been know, wanting to check this out, but I just like never that. got around to it. Uh, yet. And it is good. It's it, they could have done more but it was but in five issues they they kept it really simple they kept it flowing to where i think anybody could enjoy it which is smart because uh this this team really doesn't have a lot under their belt individually or together besides like my little pony books for the most part um and so i think they've got they've got a mini a two issue mini series coming out called dog days stray dogs dog days uh which will be like an anthology where they kind of go through the individual dogs that you saw in the main story and kind mm-hmm. of some individual story with them. Um, but they've got something that I hope that we see more of. And it doesn't necessarily have to be with the dogs, but I want to see that creative team together again because I thought they did a really good job. And who doesn't want to see, uh, you know, that classic animation of like Jungle Book Lady and the Tramp kind of whatever, you know, in that that kind of visual but then thrown into like a bloody like skin dogs kind of scenario who does not uh, like it's kind of it's messed up in, i know in i a, do in a weird way where it's like i love seeing skin dogs this I is the precursor saw, to the next cruella movie <laughs> right <laughs> i just saw like an old school disney animator skin a dog kind of a vibe like <laughs> 
it's it's real weird and it it definitely scratches an that itch i didn't know it was pretty dark <laughs> so that's what makes number one for sure uh my honorable mentions yeah. and i guess to wrap things up here uh would be snow angels it's been okay. a really awesome series yeah. i've loved it a lot uh started reading invincible um yeah this time around i forgot uh, i'm about still that. like halfway through the series i've read the first six trades there's still a ton more but yeah um been really really we were solid. reviewing that at one point in time we were i forgot about that uh miss marvel i just started reading the 2014 2015 series Khan. of kamala Khan yeah. stuff um that was just kind of sparked based on you know i i'd read some stuff from that before just here and there but mm-hmm. never really read like two lengths like a series of it and kind of wanted to get that under my belt yeah. before we get you some more tv show uh, tv show and stuff coming video down. game has been big yep Absolutely. Like, and I really, really enjoy her character a lot. She's really cool. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Star Wars Darth Vader, the one that started in 2020, I started mm. reading this year as well. Very cool. Yeah. Very nice. Mine, uh, just a couple, are a, a series that was a five-issue mini by Bo- from Boom uh, called Mammo. Boom. Uh, and uh, it's about a... Mammogram? Just Mammo. M-A-M-O. Uh, and it's about a, a, a little town that uh, has a, a town witch. And uh, the witch has died. Ding dong. The witch is dead. Oh, shit. Uh, but she's passed. She's uh, And her granddaughter has come to kind of fill that void, but doesn't really want to. And it's kind of a, a little story about it. It's cute. It looks good. Uh, there's a nice black cat drawing. Like the the, the, cat, the cat is drawn nicely. I like it. It's cute. <laughs> um, and then the other one is a, a series that's ongoing that's becoming the now image superhero universe, uh, which radiant black is the name of the series. Um, and they're on issue 11. I just picked up and they've now announced, uh, two other superheroes. They're going to be part of it and a big, uh, like crossover one shot that they're doing. That's going to be out in February. So cool. They've got like this crazy universe they're building and radiant black was, uh, is pretty cool. Kyle Higgins is the writer. I don't know who the artist. Uh, but Kyle Higgins did uh, a Nightwing series that I mm. I liked. I think it was Nightwing uh, back Darkwing. in the day. Duck. And uh, no, it was Batman Two, Batman Beyond 2.0, I think is the one that he did Nightwing also. But I got on that. It was like a digital series. And it was really good back in, you know, 10 years ago. And uh, and then he did a, a series called Cow for Image that was really good as well. Um, so I really like the Higgins of it all. And uh, so I'm looking forward to more of that. Nice. In 2022. Well, thank you for listening to us ramble on for Extra long hours episode. about uh, about our, our top things that you should probably consider Check consuming. Yeah, for sure. Um, if we've tickled your fancy, be sure to uh, talk to us on all of the social media platforms. And as always, podcast day is a very dangerous day, right? <laughs> sure. That's I totally see it, right? <laughs> I think you're getting confused. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I love Rocco. This has been IFNZ Production. Yeah!